I'm surprised you don't have a couple of these like scripted. I would never script the intro. It has to be organic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about Ashley Benson apparently directing an episode of The Perfectionist? Sure. Did you kind of get the feeling that like maybe she wasn't supposed to say that? A little bit. I didn't see the clips from the Instagram live. I saw like the like Entertainment Tonight clip or whatever. I, I saw the part of her Instagram live where she's like, oh, by the way, I'm going to be directing an episode of that show. It's like, really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You would have thought there'd been something a little more ceremonious in the uh, announcement of that. Like, it didn't seem like she was building up to that. It just kind of seemed like she mentioned it offhand. So, I don't yeah. know. That would be interesting. <laughs> like, someone was just like, yeah, sure, maybe you can direct an episode of The Perfectionist in a couple months. She's like, great. I'll tell the world. And they're <laughs> yeah. like, fuck. Yeah, I kind of wonder. Anyway. <laughs> Was, well, just when the when the interviewer is like, "Oh, what kind of preparation do you do for that?" and she's just like, "Well, lots." <laughs> Shall we start the pod? Mm. Mm-hmm. Hello, and welcome to Headcanon. I'm Benjamin Light, and I'm Marcus Parks. And we're back, episode 34 of our rebooted headcanon. And we are talking about Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. But before we get to that, we'll have a little discussion of uh, pop culture. But maybe we could talk about some of those new trailers that came out of Comic-Con too. But uh, what are you watching right now? Uh, the most recent thing is just catching up on the last two episodes of Sharp Objects yesterday. Oh, yeah? So you're caught like, up? Yeah, it's like literally the last thing that I've watched. All right, how are you feeling about that show? How do you feel I'm about enjoying- your girl Willa? Oh, I love my girl Willa. Um, quick, <laughs> quick introduction. <laughs> quick exit. Yes. Spoilers. Sometimes I just want to get away from here. Mm-hmm. Does it get better? Now, whenever no, we'll get into it. But now, whenever I hear the term "getaway," unfortunately, I'm triggered back to. Did you see like the the trailer for like Discovery season two of the fucking Lenny Kravitz song? No, I'm I'm like so out on that Star Trek reboot. I'm just I'm gone, light years but, away. I mean, I'm in mean, the fucking Delta Quadrant. The trailer's not bad for a show that like is heading in the wrong direction, uh, kind of like you are right there. But like, it's like, why are you using a Lenny Kravitz song? I'm I'm headed in the wrong direction by steering away from that. No, show. no, 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 no. Okay. I mean, just it's 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 like. Not too terrible, but it's heading in the wrong direction, and it's like gaining. It's at impulse right now, and it's about to go to warp drive. Mm. Um, yeah. So, and I just hear, I "Take us to warp four. Yeah, yeah. I I'm just, sorry. So, yeah, sharp objects. Briefly on the discovery thing, I just don't understand why they couldn't make like a new Star Trek show, like that's like beyond. Like, I guess DS Nine would be the most uh, up to date one, right? Or Voyager, Wait. maybe a little. Like just it's, uh, it's fifty years later, new Star Trek show. Come on, that's a whole longer conversation. Um, but why does it need to be? Why can't why can't people move stories forward instead of going back and jerking themselves off? Here's the thing, though. What you're saying, though, is not even like a revolutionary hot take. It's such a pedestrian, I know, common sense take. But why can't Hollywood pay attention to that take? Is what I'm yeah. saying. Well, like, why are you following? the last TV series was a prequel of another prequel. And it's like, they've got 
for the most part, a really great cast. They've got decent production value sunk into this thing. Fucking put them in a in a put them in a situation that will spell success. Like you're just you. They've shot themselves in the foot once, Did, and I feel like they're they're just wavering at shooting themselves in the foot again. Didn't they say something when like the show was first coming out, and like Sarah was going to be out, and they're like, "Oh no, we're not going to do Spock." I, I could swear they like said that at some point in the past, and now all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, we might do Spock, guys." Oh, the shit with Spock in the trailer is so frustrating. I mean, are, um, are they going to cast Zachary Quinto as that? Or I don't know what universe this is taking place in. If it's like it's, it's a, universe I mean, fucking... I mean, I wish they had brought Bruce Greenwood into this one. Um, but yeah, it's it's a different guy playing uh, Pike who like mm-hmm. takes okay. command of the Discovery in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. Anyway, sharp objects. Um I'm enjoying it more. The handheld camera is still annoying. I'm trying to look past that. Um, man, Patricia Clarkson, her character Adora is just such a monster. It just like fills me with rage. Mm-hmm. Showing up while she's interviewing someone. Mm-hmm. Well, just the, uh, the the like the handsy at the uh, funeral. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that like, was... like when she like, starts reaching again, I was like, oh shit, this is almost a comedic It's like making me so frustrated to watch. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I do still feel like the show has a lot of that kind of like prestige TV like checklist that it's hitting, you know? Like, mm-hmm. and just waiting for the uh, the scene where Amy Adams, uh, you know, Camille is like, am I a bad person? Like, we haven't had that like, you know, anti-hero monologue yet. It might be as she speeds away into the night. Then the last one, no, because you're gonna get more scenes of sweaty Christmas Cena like trying to pull a pig's tooth out of its decapitated head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was, like he was going for a little bit of a Goldblum look there. I think the top button undone. Well, first of all, Messina is like what four or five. I mean, like he's a short dude, but a little bit of a Muppet voice. I don't get Christmas Cena. Yeah. He's not on the wall. Yeah. He's, five, five nine. He is not a snack. But yeah, I don't know. It's I mean I've read the book, so I don't want to give anything away, but I'm enjoying it so far. It to me it seems pretty obvious, but uh maybe people who are not aware are missing some of the things I'm picking up. It's certainly possible. But yeah, this is like really like the ascension of TV and my girl Willa. Like she's uh She's fucking conquering. Like everywhere she goes, she's like people are talking about her. I mean that everything suck show got canceled, but sure. Other than that, I mean she's definitely the Handmaid's best thing Tale. about that show. People oh yeah, that's right. She's on Handmaid's like Tale. season two of that, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I need to watch more of that show. That show's just a tough watch. It's hard to get in the mood to be like, I want to watch Handmaid's Tale. Uh, there's a period there where like it had reached an equilibrium where I was like. Oh, this is actually slightly more pleasant than the news. <laughs> that was the problem. It's like, yeah, it, it's not a place you want to escape to. Like, I don't want to take the time machine into like nine months into the future if it's that future. Mm-hmm. Like, and there it, is there's a, is a period of Mad Men, maybe like season five or season six, where like the show was amazing and excellent, but it was hard to psych myself up to start watching an episode. Like, once I started watching, I'd be into it. But it was just like there's just like this heavy foreboding over the whole show. It's hard to like get into a mindset where you're like like you're ready for it the season that started with don looking down the elevator shaft yeah yeah probably that yeah. season 
Because you're just fucking waiting for something horrible to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I felt watching eighth grade. I'm just waiting for something horrible to happen through that whole movie. Anyway, do you want to talk about any like Comic Con trailers that came out recently? Go for it. Uh, let's see what came out. Um, there's a new Fantastic Beast trailer, right? Mm-hmm. Did you watch it? Mm-hmm. Any any thoughts? I did not love it. I this seems like a story that could have been told in passing amongst characters in a different Harry Potter set story. And even then I'd be like, Oh, it doesn't really seem like Newt's commander is going to do too much. There doesn't need to be that involved. It seems really complicated, I guess. Like it seems like there's potentially like a lot of moving parts to this plot. I kind of wonder maybe this is something where Rowling has like planned so much out and it's like, Oh man, this Creedence character is going to be important in like movie four. So I, and I'm just going to set it all up now. And like, there's like, there's so many balls spinning in the air. Maybe it will all come together eventually. And it'll be like, Oh, she's done it again. But like, it doesn't feel like it's building up to complexity. Like it just started out complex. You know, it's not like, like the initial Harry Potter book started fairly simply. I mean, there's a lot of world building there, but it's like, she doesn't throw too much at you at once. <laughs> Can you imagine this franchise? If, uh, Somehow that hack David Yates is like the Columbus, and then uh, we're gonna bring in Quaron. Fucking please, one. anyone, anyone else, please direct the third Fantastic Beast movie. They've got to move oh, on from uh, David Yates. He's and, done six uh, goddamn movies. Ashley Benson's gonna also direct the third Fantastic that, Beast. That movie. would be fucking fantastic. <laughs> I'm sure she'd do a better job than David Yates. <laughs> Newt, I need you to do more Hannah face here. Mm-hmm. Just like my preparation is, I didn't watch your movies. Uh, yeah. yeah, I just I think the greatest, like one of the greatest bits of Lupin was just handed over to Jude Law to give. Like, I, I feel like they're just trying to, to cement so much of this young Dumbledore character into the story. And again, I'm. I don't know when this when the general premise of these movies came up. Obviously, it's a it's a huge twist, and it's where these this franchise is going. But you know, in general, I didn't think like, oh man, you know, I wish they would really like squeeze Grindelwald into all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now with Grindelwald, you're getting like young Dumbledore and it's like people were excited about that, but there were maybe... a lot of Sorcerer's Stone references, if I recall from the new trailer, like, well, like what's his name? Actual shows up <laughs> Flamel. Yeah. The Flamel, um, you know, ask a reference with the, uh, Bogart lesson. There's some other stuff too. The, the, the luminary. There's like one more thing that was from, uh, Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. Yeah. Mirror of Arisad. It's like, okay, guys, we get it. We know it's in the wizarding world. I just, I hope that scene in the movie where like Jude Law is like looking in the mirror and he sees like that scarred, hideous, wrecked visage of Johnny Depp appear. And I hope that young Dumbledore is just like, honestly, I've got the strangest kink, you know, or whatever. Like, ugh. Well, you know, they, um, I think that it was mentioned recently that like they don't really have any scenes together. Dumbledore, Dumbledore yeah. and Grindelwald, which makes sense. Like going on the original story, we've been told that like Dumbledore like avoided confronting him for like five years or something. Uh, like he waited and waited before he finally did it himself. So they probably shouldn't have any scenes together. But it is a little weird that they have <laughs> built this up so much, and then now it's like, oh, by the way, they don't have scenes together. I don't know how you don't do a thing at least where it's granted it's wizarding, so they wouldn't mm-hmm. do this. But like. 
where in the middle of something that Grindelwald's doing, like he, I don't know, he like picks up a phone and he's like, who's there? Who's there? You know, and like, like Jude Law's on the other end, like, you know, like it's, taking it's it in. Yeah. Um, like I would think they would have something, even if they don't share the physical scene together where there's like some kind of moment that they, that passes between them. Yeah. Other than staring in a mirror. <laughs> also, isn't Dumbledore like not the defense against a dark arts teacher? He's transfiguration. I, I don't know. Maybe he's subbing that day. I just, I, I don't know. I'm going to try to withhold judgment until you see the movie. Maybe there are explanations for why all these things don't seem to fit the canon. Yeah. And if they don't, I, of course, will blame it on David Yates. Yeah. That's fair. Don't at me. Um, let's see. What were the other trailers that came out? There are a couple other big ones. Godzilla. Oh, eh. I just, no thanks. I Prestige Pacific Rim. Yeah, not feeling the whole Millie Bobby Brown thing. I, I don't know. Like it, it, those movies, they make them just feel so like portentous and like sell serious. Like you're making a fucking monster movie. Come on, man. Also, the people, including Ryan Johnson, who like praise the use of Claire de Lune. Claire de Lune's a great jam. Like you could drop that on almost on almost anything and elevate it. So I think that that's what's I don't called think it's saying something nice. Finding yeah, I don't finding something nice to say. I don't think that's like a particularly like brilliant or subversive move um, on on the part of this movie. I don't I don't know. Maybe if in the actual movie they like have a monster fight scene to like one of the gymnopedes or whatever. But like, yeah. Um, oh, um, I don't care. I don't care about the Godzilla movie. Yeah, I don't care. You're a Godzilla guy, right? Not really. I mean, old school Godzilla. I had I had like a tape of Godzilla versus Megalon that I used to watch as a kid, like every weekend. But um, yeah, that's old school Godzilla, not this new crappy one. Aquaman, <laughs> just still pass for me. Um, yes, pass. Looks better than the other DC movies. That's just barely saying something. Redheads, am I right? Yeah, but I. My still, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Is it's it's still like he's at best the nicest guy at like the biker bar is his whole affect. Um, I almost wish the movie was more about like the little kid version of him, but I, yeah. Oh, and they, when there's like the big effect shot, they cut to where it's, I don't know, some creatures running at each other. Maybe it's on the bottom of the ocean. I don't know what's going on. It's like their big effect shot. And I'm just like, Oh my God, how fucking boring. (laughs) Like, it's like, Oh wow. A bunch of CGI running into each other. It's so exciting. I mean that that similar sequence in Infinity War is definitely the most boring part of Infinity War. You know, it's yeah. like, oh yeah, a bunch of weird animal things that they're fighting. Cool. Patrick Wilson, I feel like, would never play like a normal, mild mannered, I I believe rapey protagonist. I, I believe Patrick Wilson is his character from uh, Hard Candy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He'll never be anything else to me. Mm-hmm. Just snap that rubber band. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then there's um, Shazam. I find the costume abhorrent. It looks so bad to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he's wearing this like goofy muscle suit. Like he looks too cartoony. I just mm-hmm. I can't. It looks like looks like Flex Metallo. Like uh it just looks dumb. I I mean I I don't really like Zachary Levi anyway. Like mm. 
I don't know. He he seems like the off-brand version of something else. I get like sky-high vibes from that stupid muscle suit he's wearing. Like, was he was he not jacked enough by himself? They had to put him in a corny suit. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can differentiate between sky high and zoom, but exactly. yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Uh, yeah, Zachary Levi. Is, yeah. I never watched Chuck. I wasn't a Chuck guy. Yeah, neither was I. Um, but like the superhero version of Big, it just doesn't. These DC movies just don't interest me. I think at part all. of it was that that was like the fourth of the DC trailers I watched in a row. And you really start to notice, like, oh, they're just working on a template. Like, all these trailers are cut the same way. Like, mm-hmm. at the beginning of that uh, Shazam trailer, it's like, these do, like, hard percussive cuts, like, doo, doo, doo. and it's like, oh, what's happening on screen? He's moving into a foster parent's house. Like, why are you editing it this way? <laughs> like, what is going on? This is this is not building excitement at all. You're just cutting it that way. <laughs> like... In the editing room, Michael Bay is going to come smashing through the wall and be like, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Warner Warner Brothers, the fish rots from the head. They just can't seem to get their act together. Or at least the whatever whatever part of Warner Brothers is responsible for these big action movies, like the marketing and whatnot. It's not feeling it. Well, and I, I, I truly hope that their entire streaming service ends in failure. It just looks terrible. Oh, don't they have like a DC streaming thing now? Yes, with like four original live action superhero shows on it. Mm -hmm. I will say it's not normally my kind of movie, but one of their other movies, A Star is Born. I guess I kind of want to see that. I don't know. The trailer's decent. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised at like, I hate to say it, but good job, Bradley Cooper. Like, but she said it's like I've seen that trailer in front of almost every movie when I've gone to the theaters like in the last two months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a decent trailer. I feel like that kind of filmmaking seems to be the only thing Warner Brothers is doing right. Like the like, let's just go find um, kind of like a a smaller kind of personal talent and let them do their thing. Like when they're trying to make these big tentpole things, I don't know what's going on there, but it just feels off. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just not in their wheelhouse. Also, I, I kind of like I feel like Bradley Cooper would be redeemed if he just plays this character, this like Chris Christopherson character in real life from now on. There's a shot in the trailer. I think it's where he's like in his limo and he's just like, just wanted to see what you look like or something like that. We're like, man, I don't know if it's like makeup or what. Look at you. Yeah, he God damn, It looks like Haggard. <laughs> yeah. Haggard. Like she drank a whole bottle of whiskey and stayed up for three days straight before you got that shot. Yeah. 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 Oh, like in the uh, kind of sun damaged in a way. Yeah. Like you don't see in movies anymore. Yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of sun, a lot of city miles on that skin. Yeah. Or sunscreen. Well, it just, <laughs> I want to edit that thing with Dave Chappelle's character into just about any other movie trailer where like, you know, this is the first time I've ever actually been worried about <laughs> you. <laughs> like, just imagine if you could cut to any other movie character and see how that holds up. Yeah. My man. Yeah, let's see. I think those are the main trailers. I didn't watch the glass trailer just because uh, I'm not here for Shilamon. Sorry. That is fucking hacky, stupid shit. Yeah. I didn't see Split because it's not my thing. But oh boy, this I, looks. I saw most of Unbreakable, and it was not my thing. I I don't like Shilamon's style. 
Like, a, you never saw all of Unbreakable? Interesting. I don't think so. I've seen most of it. Okay. That was like that was only his second big movie, and already I was like, oh, I get it. He just has people whisper all their lines in the past. Mm-hmm. He likes, uh, yeah, he likes like the long takes where an actor can really sell, or thinks they're selling a monologue. All right. Well, what are you listening to right now? Uh, random song. I mean, lots of things, but random songs that I've downloaded, like the new metric, the new uh, new metric. There's a new metric single. Oh, single. Is it like for a soundtrack or something? Or no, it seems to be just a standalone single called Dark Saturday. Hmm. Oh, there's a new Muse single too. Well, I'll have to find that metric one. And I think that was great. Um, a band that I didn't want to like but i've kind of come to enjoy the 1975 has a new song out um glow made me want to go back and look at i don't think i ever actually listened to the last brandon flowers album so i was downloading that mm-hmm. so let me go on no 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 uh oh, desired effect mm. yeah he had one after that flamingo was kind of when he was still in that weird that one phase that came out of the killers this is more mm-hmm. just 80s synth mm-hmm. stuff all right. Um, what am I listening to? I don't have any music to say, so I'll give a shout out. I don't know if you've listened to this yet. The latest episode of the We Hate Movies podcast, where they do Rookie of the Year, it's pretty. Um, it's pretty goddamn good. You fucking a fridge? I uh, I'm not done with it, but I have I have started that today. The Gary Busey impressions really <laughs> just take it oh, to the next level. When I was driving home, they were they were on one of the riffs. It was really good. Yeah, they they're really heating it up. You can do cocaine, but it's gonna be out of my mustache. <laughs> well, isn't isn't the guy that plays this? I, I don't I don't think I ever saw Rookie of the Year, and I was like at the age where I remember you couldn't walk down the halls without hearing somebody being like "funky butt loving." It's like okay, so you saw that, or you saw the trailer at least. But like the uh, is Bruce Allman is that Terry Colby? Let me look that up. I think um, about that all day. I hmm, I I want to say that sounds right, although I feel like. Terry Colby might be named Bruce something else or something else Altman, you know. Could be. Oh shit, it's Terry Colby. It is awesome. I wouldn't give my kid to Terry Colby <laughs> negotiate his contract. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh man. What if you had like Terry Colby's voice? I, I don't know. I mean, I'd put, Which, it, put it to good use, I'd hope. Let me give you a choice. You could spend the rest of your life with either Terry Colby's voice mm-hmm. or Richard Dreyfus's. That's those are my only choices. I can't keep my own. No, you can't keep your own. It's not working out anymore. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll go with Colby. Okay, interesting. Yeah. When is that show coming back? I think this year. I'm, and then I'm, I'm about ready for another Mr. Robot season. Yeah, I'm really roll, roll that dice again. And then he's got something happening with uh, Julia Roberts on HBO. Terry Colby. No, Sam Esmail. No. Well, yeah. Just, never mind. Just Terry Colby. <laughs> this is a Terry Colby podcast. Colby cast. We're not. We're, we're going to call him actually by his real name as little as possible. Mm-hmm. It's called Homecoming. I'm sorry. It's on Amazon. Oh. Yeah. Uh, anyway, are you reading anything new? I am about to reread from the mixed-up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler. Interesting. Why? Just uh, checking up on it for a thing. Okay. Um, what about you? Any other than rewatch? Um world 10 bombs afterwards <laughs> or even uh even mr robot it ties into that as well 
Um, I am still reading to all the boys of love before. I think I'm over halfway through now. It picked up. It got to the, uh, you know, the, the inciting incident, I guess you'd say. It's, well, it's enjoyable so far. I don't know. I'm wondering where it's going, but, uh, yeah, it's not too bad. It's a typical teen book. I mean, I don't know. I'd say that like a disparagement or anything, but I feel like it's, it's hitting the appropriate beats. Yeah, sure. Um, you know what I want to do again? We've, mm-hmm. we've talked about this many times over the years. I really am in a mood to go on one of those like Alaskan, like glacier watching cruises again. Again? Have you well, gone on one before? Th- no, no, no. I'm sorry. The vibe has overcome me again, as it does periodically over the years. The vibe of going on an Alaskan cruise has come over you? Mm-hmm, that's right. Okay. Are, aren't you just saying you wish it was cold right now? That's oh, I'm, I'm definitely wishing I'm definitely wishing it was cold right now. Yeah. Fuck me. I fucking hate this summer. I'm mm-hmm. so done with summer. I think five years ago, I was like, what the fuck is summer's whack? Like, I think I gave up on Christmas first and then summer. Wow. Yeah. All right. Frame that one. All right. Shall we talk about the Mission Possible Ghost Protocol? I don't know. Are you ready? It's a great name, by the way. Ghost Protocol. It's better than Rogue Nation. It should have been Rogue State. Rogue Nation absolutely should have been Rogue State. But yeah, Ghost Protocol just sounds cool. <laughs> uh, speaking of like snacks, how long has it been since Tom Cruise ever came under the fuck category and like fuck Mary Kill or Mary Fuck Kill? Um. I don't know. I guess it depends on who he's being grouped with, you know. Okay. I think I think he's probably not going to get in the Mary category ever again, but he might no. get in the fuck category. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Your, your choices are Mary or fuck, and all you've got is Cruz and Jeremy Renner. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> obviously, we know where we're going there. <laughs> anyway, let's do our opening statement. Spoiler warning, by the way, for Mission Possible yeah. Ghost Protocol came out like three or four years ago yeah for this movie that came out in 2011 um is it that long ago yep fuck yeah crazy uh i guess i'll go first so yeah seven fucking years ago jesus christ all right uh let me let me check yes you're right that Mm -hmm. is seven years ago good math um yeah, holy shit. This movie, I'm going to go and say that this movie is perfect. It's maybe not perfect, but it's perfect to me. I always, every time I watch this movie again, I want to reevaluate why I don't have this like in a just top 10 of just fun movie going experiences. This is a movie for me that like if I ever see any part of it come on TV or I watch a scene or somewhere, part of me just wants to sit down and just finish it to the end. Like it's like an OCD. It's got this kinetic and probably the most enviable perfect pace of a movie ever uh, side note to an opening thing as i'm watching this i am shocked at just how much is communicated just through these people sharing glances like the comedy and the drama and everything i i'm fascinated in it but yeah i i love i love james bond movies i love spy movies this movie like out super spies the fuck out of anything bond has ever done it's like crazy like it's it's so fun and so like perfectly like Star Wars in its movie logic. At the same time, you've got like the white hot energy, like five Moonrakers, two octopuses, and a Casino Royale exploding throughout this thing. It's just brilliant. It's a movie where 
it's got perfect movie logic in the sense that it tells you what it needs to do. It sets up these situations and it immediately throws wrinkles in them for a movie that's so based on gadgets. They, they almost immediately break as soon as action sequences and set pieces start. And you just have these characters having to survive insurmountable odds. It's like literally edge of your seat popcorn thriller filmmaking. Um, and I love that these characters just barely survive. I see the pants and that kind of propels them into the next thing. Uh, rewatching this, I just felt like, fuck me, this is like the template for like what something like Justice League should have gotten right and couldn't remotely. Um, like just like the absolute dog shit worst version of this. So yeah, for me at every step of the way, this this mission got more impossible in a great way. Over to you, Bedjo. All right, well, hot take. I think Brad Bird is a better live action director than an animated director based solely on this movie. Word. Um, I think, Tomorrowland. I think he just needs bad robot producing his movies. I feel like there is a special kind of alchemy here with the, uh, you had like, there's a JJ Abrams, there, his fingerprints are on this movie in the background. And I think it works perfectly with Brad Bird. Anyway, uh, this is a fantastic movie. Really about everything you could ever want in like a summer action blockbuster. I love the pacing, I love the way it keeps escalating and the stakes keep getting higher and higher. The script is like right from the Raiders of the Lost Ark school of fails spectacularly like everything they do fails and it just ratchets up constantly um paul Patton, paul Patton, great lancer character you get some fun old cameos from some of the older characters ethan hunt is just a maniac in this movie um, yes i like that they followed up on his marriage from mi3 you're kind of wondering like what happened with that and it's like oh they're actually weaving it into the plot um i think these movies have a kind of very broad serialization without getting too bogged down and you know the lore and all that business um it's like just enough to, to set up the next big adventure um, there's some great videos online about how this franchise kind of reinvents itself with every movie by adapting to the style of the new director and mm-hmm. this one i think it definitely has that kind of kineticism of an animated movie but still you really feel like the visceral stunt work i think this is the movie that started the whole tom cruise will do insane stunts because he's insane like like meme that's out there now Mm-hmm. Uh, all in all, might be my favorite Mission Impossible movie. I think so. Uh, set pieces are just outstanding. I mean, you think so? <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. It is. Oh, I, I mean, guess it's it's my favorite. I might be convinced that Rogue Nation is like I don't know, quote unquote, better or tighter or whatever you know, or like more expertly crafted. But I enjoy this one more. There is a. Um... I don't mean this as, as a negative. There's like a clumsy darkness to Rogue Nation that I really appreciate. And I I, I like that it's not as perfect as I think this movie is. I think that's a good follow-up to this. Um, I, you know, for a long time, I, I was like kind of not sure what I thought of the Mission Impossible movies. Because I, I pretty much enjoyed all of them. The second one is so terrible. Yeah. Well, again, the trailer ends with the character saying to the audience, you gotta be kidding me. Which is like, that's how I felt going into it. But... Because it was so based on a such an idiosyncratic like TV show that had such a vibe that they then kind of tweaked and changed and like it had an identity crisis of every movie. I was like, this is kind of a non-franchise. It's just never like it's never set down solid footing where it feels familiar enough to its audiences. And I think with this movie, I was finally like, no, that's the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this whole this whole like every one of these movies should start with somebody like taking their mask off, you know, and like becoming somebody new and being like, boom, that's this kind of movie now. Um, I almost kind of think as much as I love the weird Ethan Hunt character, 
who was such a bizarre chameleon and just this kinetic vanilla nonsense. As a character, it's sort of fascinating how how little there is there. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just literally a man of action. He's, he's insane. He's completely action. insane. And and he's he's but he's really good about for such a fucking alien of a human being, Tom Cruise is so good about just doing these little moments of humor with just glances at other characters, which we'll get into our top moments where I feel like he can really like put the audience on his shoulder and just be like, yeah, this is, this is the human reaction to this kind of, it almost, situation. it almost feels like he got the script and like, and then just like X'd out every fifth line of dialogue he had. He's like, no, I don't need it. No, no. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about our top moments. How many do you have? I mean, I I, I guess I have like Fuck, six. I have seven. I mean, okay. Go, you, you go your seven. I'll think of a seventh one I can put in there. Okay, so let me just say, usual disclaimer, some of these are not like, I should think through like top moments again, but some of these are just moments that I just smile at hardcore. So my number seven is at the very end of the movie. Bing Rams is just getting up. He reaches into his pocket. Oh, he stole mine. Like, God damn he's you. He's like, oh. He's like, oh, come on, man. You know I got this. Meaning the beers that they just drank. And Vigram's like, uh, no. <laughs> he flips off Ethan Hunt. He does the whole, like, digging in his pocket, pulls out a middle finger. Yeah. The, when you were, like, when you said seven, I was like, oh, what's my seven going to be? And I thought of that moment, and then he fucking stole it from me. Yeah, you're welcome. Bravo. Um, yeah. yeah, that would be my number seven, too. That, I mean, I'm tempted to put that at, like, my number two, because uh, <laughs> that is just a great moment. And it's like, being Reigns shows up as Luther for, like, 30 seconds, and he's it's just that was perfect i am so i am so intrigued by whatever the fuck is happening in this new one i really am yeah. looking forward to but it. The, the expression on his face when he does his little flip off is fucking hilarious every single time it's a delight when i see it yeah yeah uh so my number six um <laughs> i have two from this moment i think they're they're tied together but it's it's in the Russian hospital after the Kremlin explosion. There's this Russian guy who I'm going to call the Russian cop, even though he's probably like an intelligence operative. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like doing this villainous monologue to Ethan Hunt, who's like just woken up from an explosion. He's handcuffed to a gurney. And so after this Russian cop does this like monologue, he sticks his like cigarette in his mouth and his perfect like cap on his villainous thing. And this a nurse just immediately walks by and snatches it away. And is like, you can't smoke in here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my number six, and I will return to this part of the movie later. Uh, just the sandstorm chase is so cool. Mm. It's such a neat visual. Like, I feel like this is a movie that knows, like, let's show let's show people some things they haven't seen before. You know, like this like crazy sandstorm chase where you can barely see anything. I love how like when they're running, they both just happen to grab like the perfect cloths to like wrap a little like mm. uh, like mask around themselves. So that they they're not breathing in the sand. He conveniently has the goggles in his jacket for it. Yeah, there's a detail missing from the villain that I kind of wish they had thrown in. It would have made a lot of him and his affect made more sense. But can I just say real quick? Because I thought I just thought of this. Mm. This movie is brilliant just because we're about to go into the whole climbing up the sides of the Burj Khalifa sequence, and they still manage to throw in like. Oh, hey, is that a sandstorm in the distance? Nah, don't worry about that. That's a ways away. And it's like, holy shit, motherfucker. That's two set pieces away from now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so my number five is uh, Jeremy Renner's like shown up in the movie. It's like this like stuffed shirt analyst guy that Tom Cruise is having to deal with as he's talking to his boss in the back of this limo racing through the streets of Moscow. 
And like Tom Cruise is finally just like he needs this guy. So he just starts to like, grabs a pen and starts like drawing a picture of a face on his own hand <laughs> and then shoves in Jeremy Renner's face. And he's like, who is this guy? And Jeremy Renner's immediately like, well, it's a crude drawing, but and then he just starts immediately going to this guy's name and his whole fucking bio. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And it's this movie. One hundred percent. My number five, the prison escape, um, specifically a couple smaller moments within, you know, this moment here, the kind of when he finally turns to look at the camera, uh, Tom Cruise mm-hmm. does after we've been like all this other stuff's been going on and we're kind of like slowly zooming in on him. I like that moment. And um, when he drops over the railing is also like to me, that so something about the phys- physicality of that. Yeah. And the way it's like, it seems like he might just be stretching for a moment and then he just mm-hmm. jumps right over the railing and, and like slips down to the next level. It's just, it's very cool action. I'm always surprised to hear that Tom Cruise wasn't a dancer because the way he uses his physicality in movies, um, like some of the fighting stuff that he does as he's like running through prisoners in that sequence, mm-hmm. you know, he'll just like, like juke under a guy real quick and then like cut over to the side. It kind of reminded me like of uh, the fight with the five guys and Jack Reacher. He does yeah. this great move immediately where he ducks down in front of this guy and then just brings his elbow up perfectly on the guy's face. And it's, there's just a certain kind of physicality that he has. My um, number four, I'm always surprised why I like this, but it kind of reminds me of, of the fact that the cement of this show or this movie is a, as a TV show. It's the credit sequence opening teaser thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, where like you, you don't really get spoiled. It's just, it's just a tease and like gets you jazzed up for this adventure. And, and I really enjoyed it's it. nothing it you haven't seen in the trailer, you know? No, but I, I like that they bring back the fuse, which is like, I guess the running motif of these movies. Um, so yeah. That's my number four. <laughs> Surprising me. Uh, my number four is the very first intro. And then I guess you could extend this to like we get a little bit more in the flashback there. Um, but just the stuff with Josh Hamilton. Why did I write Josh Hamilton? Josh Holloway. Josh Hamilton. Yeah, I don't oh, know why. You. Yeah, baseball player. Son of a bitch. Stuff with Josh Holloway in Budapest. The way it starts out with like the Giacchino score there, these like swooping shots over budapest it's just really cool and it's like oh yeah that's actually budapest and the fact that they're like this long shot zooming in and then like the door opens uh great like jump cut there to him coming out the door it it just you're immediately like totally revved up for the action Mm -hmm. and then even when we get the little flashback of like he's got like his little ring thing that he does he's got his cool contact lens i like the way he poisons that guy and like puts the hat on him and all that and I love the yeah. way the uh, the other guys that are like shadowing him, like when they're noticed, they just like throw their newspaper down, like annoyed, you know, <laughs> like like there's something about the body language of the way they drop their newspaper. They're just like, fuck it. Unless he's been made, yeah, yeah. they know that <laughs> this game is elevated. They don't need to play around anymore. Yeah, the well, first of all, Holloway, talk about your snack, talk mm. about your hunk factor in this movie, but. uh yeah, like just the the casual suaveness as he reaches for the door at the same time as the one guy and like poisons him with the ring is so so good. And then the look on his face is he's just like, ah, sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but then just like when he lays him down on the bench, he's like, here's his cap, puts it over mm-hmm. his face. I, spies are cool. Why is um, Josh Holloway not in more stuff? Seriously, uh, his whatever show that no one watches got canceled. I just mm-hmm. saw. Um, my number three is. It's after the credits, you know, they're like in the van after the prison escape. They're making sure Ethan Hunt is Ethan Hunt. They're getting reacquainted. And you got the fucking like Bogdan character. He's like, Sergey, are you not Russian? Sergey, are you not Sergey? And he's like, 
Meanwhile, like, like Ethan Hunt, he's like picked up a gun, he's checking it, make sure it's the right kind of ammo, and then he just shoots this guy like in the throat. Ah! Oh! <laughs> Don't worry, I always take care of my friends. And like Bogdan's just like doped up, and he's like, my friends, and he falls backwards. He catches him, and they've pulled up alongside another van to like sweep away, and they just effortlessly just slide him from one sliding door into the other, and then the two vans drive off. I love that. Well, the the slickness of it to to line yeah. up the two doors like that. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's just the difference between a, a lower rent movie and this franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are we at? Number three. Three. Mm-hmm. The video screen infiltration of the Kremlin. I mean, really, the whole Kremlin sequence is amazing, but specifically the kind of like silent sneaking that they're doing with that video screen. Mm-hmm. It's just really fucking cool. And it's like, it was like the first time I feel like we saw kind of like newer type of like actual real gadgets, like iPhones and iPads mm-hmm. be put to use in an action movie in an interesting way. And not, not in like, and it's like, you could kind of buy it and you're like, yeah, that could probably exist. You know, mm-hmm. like it wasn't like completely unrealistic, but it, it felt like just far enough in the future that like this was clever. It's so smart because it, it tracks the eye line of the person mm-hmm. observing it. But the detail I love about that futuristic like holographic screen thing is, okay, that's fucking awesome that it can scan, it can like track eye lines of people, it can mimic this thing, it renders it. But it's like when they want to move it, there's just handles on either side and they just kind of swiftly push it down the hallway more. Mm-hmm. Like I love that it's not like robotic and it just like goes on wheels or whatever. That would have been a step too far. Uh, number two would of course be the entire prison escape but especially there's the moment that when tom cruise like he he realizes he could leave mm-hmm. it's after he does the flip over the side of the rail that you mentioned he's gonna go back and rescue the one guy so he just like chills at the one door and has the standoff via surveillance camera of simon Pegg to like like they're just communicating through these like furtive glances or you can't even see simon Pegg. And then he glances over at the the guards who were nearby and wanted like locked in their guard station he just kind of shrugs like what are you gonna do? Can you believe this shit? And then, and then you get the great like. This is why Simon Pegg is great in this sequence because he starts doing his thing and he checks in with Jane, you know, Paula Patton. He's like, I don't know what he's doing, and for some reason, I'm helping him. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the Ethan Hunt character. It's why this character shouldn't work, but does. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on number two. Yeah. So, not that I haven't talked about the intro this movie enough, but. Just the actual moment of lighting the fuse. I love that shot so much. Like it's such and with the score and you know, the classic Lalo Schifrin theme mm-hmm. coming up, like it's just such a great way to start the movie. Yeah. And if you have that theme, I don't know how you wouldn't use it every single time. It's perfect. Uh number one, come on, no surprise. It's it's the entire free climb up the side of the Burj Khalifa. It's the fact that were set up with the gloves. You know, Benji's got him. He throws them against the, the wall. They're very simple. It's a rolling off motion. Blue you know, is blue. Uh, and what is red? Red is dead. Dead. <laughs> yeah. And then Tom Cruise is not climbing up the side of this thing like more than 30 seconds and the one glove fails. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, fuck it. Okay. And I love that he tosses the glove away and you see it like floating away in the wind. And he's climbing up a little bit more and you see that the glove had blown back and it's now holding up to a panel near him. I just really appreciate that it was clear that Brad Bird, like, he's like, hey, out there, anyone in the audience who has any issues with heights, I want to make your fucking palm sweat during this scene. I saw an IMAX. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. 
Uh, yeah, my number one is the same sequence. In particular, if I can narrow it down to a single moment, it's when he's he's made it all the way up there. He's like raced back down on like I don't know. He's on like an electrical cord or whatever he's he used right. to rappel back down, and he he's stretched it out as far as he can, and he's still like probably a good twenty or thirty feet short. And you're not gonna like, make it. He's leaning over, and Renner's just like, "You're not gonna make it." And he goes, "No shit!" <laughs> like that moment killed in the theater because it's like that's exactly what he would say. You know? yes. Yes. And he's then the way to- he like does his crazy like dive and in, into the window and like slams his head on the top of yep. the thing. Yep. Yeah. Well, and and in that moment, it was one of the first times, and I, I maybe it's popped up in this in these movies before, but I never felt it like. He has no way to survive that. It's because Renner grabs him and then Paula Patton grabs Renner and like grabs mm-hmm. the carpet. Like it's like Tom Cruise would have died. Like Ethan Hunt would have been dead there. And it's like the time that, that he actually has a team and it saves him. But it's crazy to me that Tom Cruise has to go to a fucking crazy action franchise to feel like the every man for us to side of him. Like when they're when Simon Pegg is talking about like, that's ah, no problem, we'll just we'll just get him from the outside. And he's like, We? <laughs> Well, and I don't know. There's something about the way they fail in this movie. Like that scene would not be as good if he just like perfectly sailed through the window and like did oh, like yeah. a, a shoulder roll or like a three point landing or something like that. You know, like it's good because it's not perfect and slick. Yeah, I mean, the closest I can I was going to say that what you're describing to me is like the the old Arnold Schwarzenegger character and like so many of his movies in his heyday. And then these movies kind of feel like when Schwarzenegger would play with that a little bit, like maybe in true lies, but, but way more. So, um, I, I keep thinking of that scene, even if you haven't seen Jurassic world, you too, you probably seen the trailer where he like does this crazy dive, like through the T-Rex's jaws to like get away from it when it's like in that like container thing. Sure. You know, scene I'm talking about. Sure. And it's just like, yeah, that just uh, doesn't look right. It looks too perfect. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, I needed to look a little more realistic, a little less like it's like clearly CGI. Yeah, I mean, don't let it go unspoken. I, I, the movie's never going to refer to it, but after every one of these sequences, Ethan Hunt is pissing blood. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Rock that like they don't show him just like dope to the gills on painkillers by the end of this movie. Oh, yeah, that's that's actually why his wife left him. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, any complaints? on one hand the villain who in my notes i kept referring to as fat blomquist uh isn't quite spelled out but he doesn't really need to be here's my gripe with that character he's like a nuclear theorist like talking about like the ontological threat of nuclear warfare i don't remember if they mentioned it but i wanted something to be to be like oh yeah by the way he's also ex-special forces yeah. uh <laughs> former russian air force or yeah whatever yeah give us something but like, there Rewatching the movie a lot of the things that i was like oh this is this is okay it's not really going where i was like oh shit it does go somewhere like just the whole fucking bogdan to his cousin to the russian cop guy back to the to the end even even ethan being in prison so it, it's kind of a cleverly thought out movie with its threads mm-hmm. so I, i'm tempted to say no not really no changes no, we're not to make one change yet. But um, complaints wise, I think the third act does lose a little bit of momentum because um, it, it's it has to up the drama at that point. 
And so it does. I mean, it's not a huge problem, but I think it just it's after the Burj Dubai, it's like I don't know what you could do to really top that. And I think it wisely decides not to try to completely top it, but at the same yeah. time it's like you you definitely feel like the the high moment is the middle of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then I I kind of wonder if maybe Jeremy Renner is miscast in this movie. Like he's okay in the role, but he never quite gels for me with the rest of the cast. Well, he doesn't fit in this movie the way I felt like he didn't totally fit in like Hansel and Gretel. Yeah. I, I wonder like, if maybe he he's and playing Josh, two characters mashed together. I wonder if maybe he and Josh Holloway should have switched roles for this. Well, but at the same time, they play him up at the beginning like he really is the nebbish ana- analysis. But then they also right? want him to be like broken, you know, and like haunted. Like a, like a broken action. It's a, yeah, it's like it's a weird mesh together that I just I don't really get. I don't know. I feel like Holloway could do broken better at least. I wanted this movie like super freaked out because I, I want to say they kind of had like hinted kind of sort of like, you know, Jeremy Renner's being groomed to take yeah. over the franchise. <laughs> and, like, and I was just like, I don't want to watch that. that. I mean, to me, that's you're, you're lame ducking your movie. And I'm watching this. I'm like, he's clearly not taking over the franchise. Well, they like did that for two different franchises too, like this and the Bourne movies. Well, I take that back though, because I've been wrong before. I've been wrong before. Where I'm just like, nah, they would never make the stupid mistake and like put Andy Bernard in charge of the office. Mm-hmm. They will. All right. Well, let's get into some general discussion. It's almost an hour in the podcast already. <laughs> um. The opening of this movie with that soundtrack is fantastic. I mean, it's it's straight up the beginning of Psycho. It's Hitchcock directing a modern action movie. I love it. Just zooming into the city and then Holloway like bursting out of the door and running across the roof. I wonder if that's a set. Like the I, the jump cut is so good that I kind of wonder if like they they faked it. I mean, if they did, it, it looks amazing. But I don't know. It looks pretty good. It's kind of crazy that you have this action moment at the start of it, and it's not Ethan Hunt too. Yeah. Yeah, we. I, I remember when Josh Hollywood was casting this movie, I was like, oh, awesome. And then, like, the beginning of the movie's like, oh, this is awesome. And then, oh, never mind. Bye-bye, Josh <laughs> Hollywood. It is kind of funny to see um, Leah Sado in this mm-hmm. movie as an action star, especially after you've seen Blue is the Warmest Color. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I guess I buy her in it. She seems deadly. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's she's. I think she's perfect in this movie mm-hmm. to the point where for a lot of reasons, like her taking the role inspector. That's such a step back. Well, it's such a weird casting. I don't know why they did that after it's like your rival spy franchise. She already showed up in as like an assassin character. It's weird for you to recast her as like this, like ineffectual ingenue character instead, you know? Well, and that whole thing is ruined. Fall in love. Yeah. It's ruined because the movie's bad, but also because <laughs> right before he came out, I saw someone caption a picture of them together. And it's like, oh, James Bond brought his daughter to work that day. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I can't unsee that. <laughs> but it's one of those things where when they first get cast, you're like, well, that's not, they're not going to do a love interest thing, right? And then they do. Yeah. Well, because the, the difference is a Daniel Craig character, especially like as Bond, that character fucks. Ethan Hunt, not so much. Yeah, um, has he? I think him and Tandy Newton may have in Mission Impossible Two. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we see them at least begin yeah. 
to get to get it going. Um, obviously, he's been married in MI three, so you can assume that they had like a honeymoon or something. But that relationship, the way they they do stuff with it. I mean, I want to say there was definitely sparks. At least I was feeling them for Rebecca Ferguson. Oh, I have a different take on that, but um, I think really okay. Isn't he kind of has like I don't know femme fatale chemistry with the uh, I can't think of her name now the the girl from Mission Impossible one is that Emmanuel? Oh, Emmanuel Bayer. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, he's he's like in love with her. Been, I should rewatch that movie. It's been a long. You time should so, so the the whole the whole crux of the the gist of the most of that movie is that he has this massive unrequited crush on her. And she's like his mentor slash boss's wife, mm-hmm. who's you know age gap lovers. Yeah, like Ethan, for Ethan Hunt films. mostly does not fuck. No, not like Bond. That's for sure. But it's weird to think about him because we know from the first one that he's like this like farm boy. <laughs> I want to know how like he's we meet him like throwing this rock around this prison. This is just a fucking like piece of concrete or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that somehow he can throw and perfectly have it bounce back to his hand every single time which to me i feel like this is suggestive of his mania that he would practice long enough to be able to do that well this is what he does instead of sleeping Mm -hmm. this is what he does because he's in prison in a russian prison which might be the worst thing on earth where he's not like sitting there like peeling the bottles or peeling the labels off beer bottles all day Mm -hmm. um yeah before we get there so sawyer (laughs) begin this movie makes that classic mistake in espionage movies where he doesn't but doesn't freak out nearly enough when the foxy blonde French woman approaches him in a fucking alleyway in Budapest while wearing a trench coat. Yeah, the trench coat, especially. Yeah. Come on, man. But then it, this is where you have the one. It's not the technology is necessarily broken. Like in the later sequence that's earlier, we can see that he doesn't have to look at the phone to get the updates like the uh, the contacts will tell him stuff in I. And this is the one where he gets like the text message and he has to like look down or the, the phone alert or whatever. And he Does he down. or is that an affectation? I wasn't sure about the, the POV later on that. I thought it, they were implying that this is the actual tech at work in his like eyeball POV. Hmm. Yeah, it could be. But yeah, you're right. There is there is definitely the fingerprints of J.J. Abrams. Like J.J. Abrams brings his version of espionage and like alias to to all of these things. Well, I, I really feel the bad robot fingerprints on the casting in this movie. Oh, sure. I mean, sure. aside from Josh Holloway, just like the guy who plays Wistrom, that mm-hmm. whole character seems like such a JJ character. Like, I can't put my finger on why exactly, but just the idea that like, oh, the the bad guy, he's just going to be like this tall guy, but he's going to be like incredibly well-dressed and handsome and have like a an, an unbuttoned top button of his shirt. Yeah. Also feels like a completely different physique than fat Blomquist, mm-hmm. which is weird later. But uh, yeah, I, I would not be shocked if that guy was in an episode of alias that I've forgotten about. Um, so yeah, I love that Lisa do. She not only shoots Josh Holloway, she then embraces him and like shoots him three more times in the stomach. <laughs> She's fucking cold blooded. She left him it. alive just long enough for Paul Patton to see him die. Well then, yeah, then the movie is so good. Cause it's like, this is like minute three. And like, we look down at what the thing on his phone was. And it's a picture of her and it just says assassin. assassin. <laughs> it's like, no shit. <laughs> Love it. Uh, but yeah, then there's the prison sequence, which is just wonderfully conceived, perfectly shot, perfectly edited together. Do you think that, uh, this Russian prison guard, he's dead, right? Oh, for sure. I and mean, they just beat the shit out of that guy for sure. Yeah. 
they 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 fuck him up. They fuck him and then they fuck him up, or maybe backwards. Um, I love when the first guy just kind of trepidatiously like steps out of his cell, and like Simon Pegg has like this like little smile on his face, like "Come on." He lets the other two guys out behind the guard. He's like, "Ooh, sorry." <laughs> I like. There's a bit where he's trying to get into Bogdan's cell, and it opens up, and seemingly it's like endless parade of people will come out. Yeah. And finally, Ethan Hunt like ducks inside, and then it's like beat, beat, and then he like he backs back out because some huge guys backing him out. Yeah. Like I Whoa. like that they that's that's what you need in a good action hero. He can't be like the biggest guy unless mm-hmm. it's Arnold. Basically, like normally you want your action hero to like have adversaries that are more physically impressive than him. Well, and I think they're so smart about keeping him lean, mm-hmm. not bulky. Um, yeah, and these these prison cells, like some of them have like eight people dogpiled in a in a cell, and some of them have like one. Yeah, what the fuck is this like? Russia bunk beds. Yeah, I don't know. That would suck. I mean, it would suck bad enough to have one roommate. Can you imagine being in jail with like six roommates? True story. Uh, the Russian word for prison is the same as the Russian word for summer camp. Mm. That's not true, but you know, yeah, it it just seems <laughs> whatever. It's brutal. It's like I feel like that's why they're like they don't give a shit though about like letting these horrible criminals out because it's Russia. Fuck. But I like there's there's a perfect cut. Like it's like when everything's going crazy. And then they're racing down the hall, and uh, Benji, LOL, Simon Pegg's character named Benji, uh, opens all the doors, and like suddenly there's like flaming like pieces of paper and shit falling down, mm-hmm. and like it just like the visual is suddenly it's like it's like a bright orange and yellow shot as they're running, mm-hmm. like it's it's perfectly timed for like the climax of that sequence. Well, and there's there's a great bit that you should include in your bucket list for every action sequence in a complex is one point ethan hunt's like let's go this way and he kicks open the door to the stairwell and there's just like six guards like coming up the stairs he's like not that way <laughs> uh, like the fuse but just having having like ethan hunt who we've seen can like navigate his way through this chaos but like having him have to bring um the bogdan character through it mm-hmm. is like, fucking great it's, it's him why that it's why that one scene, even though it's a much different dynamic, that one scene is great in Casino Royale when uh, Bond has to like steal the guy out of the uh, embassy. Oh, yeah. He just throws him out a fucking window because he doesn't care. Yeah, so um, Light the Fuse, great sequence. They end up in the van. I love Agent Carter's shock that this wasn't strictly a rescue mission for Ethan Hunt. And he's just like, he's straight up as like, let me put it this way. If the secretary wanted me out of there, then it must be pretty bad out here. And she's like, uh, yeah. Well, you know, we haven't seen Ethan Hunt in like a few years at this point. It's like, ooh, he's a little darker. Not in like a grim dark kind of way, but like this guy's kind of fucked up. He's been in prison for a while. Apparently it did an unsanctioned hit. Well, when they're doing that thing where his hair is longer mm-hmm. on the uh on the even movies. Oh yeah, that's right. I don't think I think they broke it with uh this new one, but Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see. So then we get the movie's such an interesting structure. We then get a flashback going back to like what really happened of Hannaway. It's so interesting. It's like it's it's like the structure wise, it's like sneaking conspiratorial to me because it kind of forces you to recognize things that you've already kind of known and have seen. And just it just pulls you into the story. It's why like framing devices mm-hmm. I can work really well. And I mean, I guess we're supposed to assume that there's like at least something romantic going on, right? Between Agents Hannaway and Agents Carter here, right? Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He R. has I. to 
Lost in translation, something into her ear. Mm-hmm. And then we get the setup. They've got to. Uh, there's this guy named Cobalt. I can't, I can't remember. Like, there's a reason why he like can provide certain information now. Um, but, but he no he. Well, we find out the real reason later. But like, he's presented at this point in the of the thing as just like an expert on the whole Cobalt. Yeah, it's like he he knows about it. Cobalt is this. Russian scientist who's just horny to detonate a nuclear weapon. Mm-hmm. And then I like the bit where his new mission, um, the the message that he gets, it doesn't explode. Like it's like a that's going to be an ongoing theme in this movie. Is the gadgets don't work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He has to come back and hit it for it to blow up. Yeah. What? I just I, show me the IMF department where they're just coming up with new ways to like deliver <laughs> missions in the field. Uh, well, they really but, like. They go all out with your quote unquote impossible missions, like break into the Kremlin. You have you four have hours. hours. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also take these two fucking misfits with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so this movie gets into like a, what I want to call a classic trope in spy movies or like pseudo modern spy movies, but I think might've actually been created by this franchise. It's the thing where you have characters who are undercover sneaking into an enemy facility they need to have something scanned, like a badge or a retina or whatever. Mm-hmm. Their team has like hacked in to include them in the database, but like there's that moment where like it hasn't quite taken right. to some guard. Run it like, again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which they do almost verbatim in the first one. Oh yeah. I really love the um the score at this part. It like really pumps up like this like crazy Russian like pomp and circumstance music as they're marching along, you know. And they bring it back later when they're escaping. I don't know. It works great. It's just oh, like so we're in Mother Russia now. I didn't notice this the first few times I watched it, but after they clear the badge thing, you can see uh, uh, original Fat Blomquist. Oh, I know. Chilling I, in- I also only noticed it this time. Like you can see him a couple other places too, but I noticed that there he was. I think he might have been doing something to like, like patch into their communications or something because he's doing something on his phone there. Yeah, It'll, like come up later. Yeah. The shadows watching them. Well, like he should be. There should be something there where he's like former special forces which would explain why he's good at this stuff and also despite the fact that he's put on a little bit of a punch um but yeah this is the moment you're talking about as they've gone through and they're like making their way through the kremlin the movie drops like the russian chanting soundtrack and then it's suddenly it's just like the theme music like dun dun yeah. dun dun you know like we're in let's do it yeah i i like his um his disguise here Cruz says like Whenever he decides to finally be old in movies, I think he'll be able to pull it off. Yeah. Well, but like compare. The, so there's also kind of a vibe because I want to say this was like 10 years after the first one. So there's a little bit of like these tiny little homages, I think, to the first one or, or just things you have to compare, which is, I don't know if you remember in the first one, he's pretending to be like an American senator and he's just like baked under like 20 pounds. That's right. Of I remember man that. Makeup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like. They gave him such simple makeup here, and it just fucking works. But uh, oh, it also works because he's older. <laughs> true, true. But like, you don't need to to give him too much. So there's a moment where he's like setting up the uh, screen thing with Simon Pegg, and Pegg gives him like the condolences about the marriage. And I just love. Are you just gonna call this... him Pegg the whole time instead of Benji? Well, I guess he could be Benji, and you could be Benjo. I don't know. I don't want to get confused. I don't want to put you in the same crisis that might have been with like Marco Fury and mm-hmm. PLL. I'm how are you it. not yourself? Um, you know me. Yeah, so thing. I had to get uh, some blood drawn the other day. I thought of you. Mm. I thought about like mm. taking a picture of it 
You should have. Or maybe, or like a slow-mo video on my phone I just sending it to you. Did you watch it? Did you no. watch the blood go out? No. Why not? I, I don't have your je ne sais quoi. Mm. Right. Yeah, so uh, Ethan Hunt gives Benjo, movie Benjo, uh, I feel like Simon Pegg would be like a good, that'd be like the best case scenario, like to play you, right? Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, that, that would be too bad. Mm-hmm. You can even He's do it with beloved. an English accent. That's fine. Ooh, yeah. Maybe you could do your thing with an English accent. Mm-hmm. Hello, love. I'm podcasting and I don't even know why. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> it's the first mention of like whatever happened with the marriage. And Tom Cruise does a great job with like equal parts. How dare you? And like, I don't even know how to process this, especially now. Yeah, right in the middle of everything, which I feel like is probably why he brought it up then. Because yeah. it's like you're limiting the uh, fallout from that. It's like, well, you can't really get him too mad at me right now. So, yeah, but Simon Peck does this great thing as they're doing the screen stuff where he's just studying the fuck out of Ethan, like how to act, when to move, following his lead. It's really good. Well, just. Anytime you can get a sequence where people have to be really quiet on mm-hmm. camera on on a movie, like it just works, I think. And they do a really good job of like making you hear everything. And I, I feel like I've been in a work situation where I keep hearing a fucking noise. <laughs> I go investigate it. I love the noise that they use, the little water oh, drop. Yeah. I like the bit where his like he accidentally stand, puts his head in front of the camera and it's yeah. like he's giant, yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So Cobalt has one up them. He's stolen the plans. He's like framed them with the communications patch. Like team leader, team leader. Um. So they. They also like stole his of, own files, apparently too. Oh yeah, and a bit, either way, it'll be weeks before the Kremlin, you know, notices or they notice the Russians have been stolen from the Kremlin. So they all have to kind of like go their separate ways. And so I, I, I just love the even Kremlin even outside and he like. His disguise is to like take off like like the gray, patches of gray, turn the jacket inside out to like a to something, and he has like a Bruce Springsteen shirt underneath and puts on yes. hipster glasses. Yeah, it puts on the hipster glasses and then like pulls. He has like a little like tourist brochure that he pulls out of nowhere. I like yeah. it because that's after like they they bring back the Russian music again, and he's like yeah. ordering everyone around for like five seconds, and he just kind of like ducks around the side, and like within two seconds he's gone from Russian general to like. American Bruce Springsteen fan, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he recognizes, you know, the the guy that he saw earlier. He'll be Cobalt. He, he, Kremlin starts exploding. We get the patented Tom Cruise running, and then I love that he didn't escape this one. It just like knocks him out. Pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Good, good Tom Cruise running sequence, which you all need in one of these movies. Mm-hmm. I think it's contractually obligated. Mm-hmm. I like the uh, kind of noticing that he's, he's got an IV on and then he raises up his wrist and he's handcuffed. Yeah. That's a good little reveal there. <laughs> he's watching the the news blast or the news the news thing and like it slowly like it turns into like translated. And then the Russian cop guy shows up. He's like, our media is no more truthful than yours. Which is such, American. A, such a Russian thing to say too. Great detail there. Uh, I like how the subtitles. We you for, in custody. Steal his jeans. Yeah. I like how the subtitles for the TV or it's like Russian at first and then it kind of like morphs into English. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And he shows that he holds out like Tom Cruise's jacket. It's reverse or it's reversible to the military uniform. It's like, ah, you got me. I feel like somehow this guy actually is just like the local police detective. 
It wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the Russian Javert to all this. Mm-hmm. So at one I, point, I like the bit where he's stolen the paperclip. And then so when the nurse goes to get his chart, like all the papers fall out. Mm-hmm. It's good little attention to detail there. Oh, he's, he's become Sarah Connor there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you get the great bit where the Russian cops are like talking. They look back and he's gone. So he finds him outside so on the ledge. If you watch very closely, you can see right when he moves. It's like pretty cool how how quick it happens, like in the oh, background cool. there. Yes, yeah, so he's on the ledge outside, shirtless, no shoes on, like maybe eight stories up. Um, and so he's like looking down, like he's going to make this eight story drop into this like like this like dumpster full of trash. And he's like really doing the math in his head. And for, he's Ethan Hunt, so you're thinking like he might actually do this. And I know the Russian cop is like leaning out the window, and he's just like, "Fuck it." Go for it. Mm-hmm. I dare you. Like, go, oh, go on, man. You think you can make it? Well, and it's it's just funny here because this is like a you know shirtless Ethan Hunt scene, but it's Tom Cruise is obviously like incredibly in shape, but he's mm-hmm. not like it's he's not like he hasn't drank any water for three days to look like extra veiny and ripped in shape. You know, like yeah, yeah. kind of looks like what you'd imagine like a middle aged in shape person would look like. Mm-hmm. He turned. 51 or 52 when making this something like that yeah, it's getting up there yeah well like that was what was what was your math again was it seven years yeah yeah so think about he's almost 60 now and fallout comes out jesus <laughs> i think he's got one more in him i think if you get to seven and then he do you, you call it quits you, or you hand it off do you remember like a couple years ago i can't remember if it was before or after rogue nation and they started floating the rumor that brad pitt was going to be groomed to take over and it's like what yeah 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 it was like it was a very brief rumor but it was like why don't you go and get a guy who's just equally old well first of all the age thing second of all brad pitt would not make any sense at all as a mission Impossible character no um, no i like how he he like immediately like steals some shoes and and like a jacket whatnot the jacket he happens to steal is like this like super perfectly tailored like cool like leather hoodie thing that he's got on. It's in like oh, full ghost protocol mode here. We haven't even talked about. So he said, he's like the Russian cops like, yeah, go ahead, do it. I dare you. And he's like, even Hunt's like, nah, I can't do it. And the cops like, yeah, that's what I thought. Come on back in buddy. And then as he's like, like sliding along the ledge back in, he sees this truck coming. Like the plan formulates. Oh yeah. There's a convenient wire right here. I'll whip off my down, own yeah. belt and zip line down. And then, to make it nuts enough, he's shirtless and shoeless. He falls onto the truck, immediately falls off the truck, and just like does this roll on like hard cobbled pavement. And yeah. to be fair, he looks pretty disoriented for a moment. Like he's yeah. kind of can't believe he's still alive. And the cop, rib. the cop, the Russian cop has this moment of like disbelief, and then oh shit, I gotta go get this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but like you said, like so he he steals everything he needs casually, um, including a phone to like make a secure call and then like toss the phone. I love that ghost protocol. Yeah. And then uh, we we get this cutaway to this like random like Russian. I don't know. Maybe this guy's supposed. No, I guess they're both supposed to be Russian. Um, but they speak English. Yeah, they speak English too. It's like that kid's like, "Mommy, why are you speaking English?" or something like that. <laughs> And then, of course, the uh, Wistrom shows up. I think, is this the first time we see Wistrom? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Because you've only seen uh, whatever Cobalt's actual name is. Well, it's like they're like, okay, the number one henchman. He's just going to be this really tall, like, European-looking dude with, like, he's wearing a certain kind of short shirt where he wears the top button unbuttoned, you know? And it's yeah. a, but it's like a designer shirt, and that's his look. He's, 
he's got kind of like uh like a little more filled out like Stephen Merchant physique, I feel like. Um, but yeah, oh. Hendrix is the Fat Blomquist, and uh, Wistrom we is could his probably one bro. not call him Fat Blomquist anymore. I know it's terrible. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, it's Cobalt. Just, it's just funny at the end. It's right. funny at the end when him and Tom Cruise are fighting, and it's like one of these guys is really in shape, and the other guy looks like he's made of butter. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Ethan gets picked up by the limo by Jeremy Renner and uh, Tom Wilkinson is like the secretary. Of the I IMF. think they have a different secretary in like every movie, except perhaps I, maybe the next movie. I don't think we've actually seen anybody who's like the secretary before. I don't think uh, Anthony Hopkins. Henry in... I think he's just some old guy who's like his mentor. Hmm, okay, I, it's, it's I only like, I only watched that movie once, the second movie. So fuck that. I don't think even Anthony Hopkins remembers that he was in that movie. Probably not, no. God, that movie is so stupid. Um, is Lawrence Fishburne in the third one? I think that's the second one. I could be. No. I, I may, No, one. he's the third one. That's right. Yeah. Because you have the other guy who always... Well, he has like this whole new crazy team who you never see again with like... Isn't like Jonathan Rees Myers in that and like Maggie second one. Q? Third one. Maggie Hughes, the third one. Who's John Reese Myers is the second one. The only the only good thing of John Reese Myers in the second one is when they're breaking into the Vatican and he like has to like be the Italian driver who gets in the like traffic jam. Hey, what you doing? Yeah. That was the second one? That's the second one. Pretty no, sure. it's the third one. No. Yes. Yeah. He's the other guy. There's you got Luther, you got Maggie Q, you got Jonathan Reese Myers, and then of course um Simon Pegg. And uh, yeah, Lawrence Fishburne's in that one, and Billy Crudup, fucking Billy Crudup. Yeah, Billy Crudup will always betray you. Definitely. All right, where are we at here? Yeah, so I like how if you're like paying close attention in this uh, scene in the car where you're getting like the download, you kind of like see like some headlights behind them. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like a car is driving kind of fast. Like they really. They they manage to make you feel that like something's coming without totally telegraphing it, but mm-hmm. like if you're watching closely, you can see it develop. And yeah, then, boom! Everyone's shot except for our two characters who will continue for the rest of the movie. <laughs> Mr. Secretary, I didn't know you were in Russia. I'm not. Is this not yeah. since the Kremlin blew up? This is a PG-13 movie too. I feel like they get away with a fair amount. Yeah, Wilkinson really takes that shot in the head. Oh yeah cool shot from inside the car as they go like into the drink there. Yeah. So Hendrix, uh, I liked uh, Renner's like he was asked to resign. Well, because he's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. So they deduced in the back of the limo that Hendrix must be cobalt and he's the one that did the explosion. And then I don't, I don't know if you, I missed what you said, but like the president has initiated ghost protocol. Ghost That's, protocol. That's a trailer line right there, and it was a trailer line. But yeah, mm-hmm. the entire IMF has been disavowed. Which how often? Does I feel that like happen? that happens in every movie, but that's fine. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Well, like if you if you get the bump from just regular CIA to IMF, like how long are you essentially like furloughed? Like how how on the regular is that? I just like that in the fifth movie they finally address that with like a Senate hearing. Yeah, <laughs> they're like we were this close to a nuclear apocalypse because you guys are fucking insane over there in the Impossible Missions Force. So yeah, so if I remember correctly, Alec Baldwin is basically like the the new head of the CIA in that, and then he gets like bust down to head of IMF. I don't know if that's busting down or not. 
Well, because the IMF is within the CIA, is how I believe it's structured. But somehow I feel like they're above them at the same time because they're Quite the possibly. IMF. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, well, in this movie, they talk about how there's no one out there who could possibly stop this threat because mm-hmm. only we do this shit. Yeah. So the big shootout, they get away by like putting a Ethan Hunt puts a flare and and like the dead driver's uh, shirt sleeve and pushes him away. For some reason, I I, I almost mentioned this in like my favorite moments because this cracks me up every time. Jeremy Renner, for whatever reason, uses a weird accent for what one line in the movie. He goes, "What was your scenario?" Like the, the the way he says scenario is so weird. Like it's I don't know if like that's just how he says scenario in real life or something, but it cracks me up every single time. Yeah, Renner's a weird guy. He is a weird guy. I just I don't know. He's really good in certain things. Like he was really good in Wind River. Like maybe maybe like the nebbish is just not for him. You know, like he he can do it, but I don't think it worked well. Well, it's just weird in this movie because he doesn't come off as haunted for a while. He comes off as nebbish mm-hmm. and then he's haunted and then he's like supposed to be like a low key, like badass. Well, it's like we're supposed to believe that this has just been an act the whole time or something. I, and I don't even know if it's an act. Yeah. He, like he's able to recall Hendrick's whole bio based on a hand drawing. But I think like his. His like supposed timidness, I think, is supposed to be an act. Like, like we could assume that his whole like, what was your scenario, was just like his way of pretending that he isn't uh, familiar with the field or something. Like, I don't also, know. He's he's very briefly the audience proxy. Like, yeah. Let me try to bring logic back into this, and then like Tom Cruise is like, of course it was going to work, and it's like actually it does kind of make sense. They don't know that you're trying to do something down there. They don't know that you're going to attach a flare to a dead body. They just see something. Of course, they're going to shoot at it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the detail we gloss over in the limo, which I love, is when Wilkinson is just like, yeah, you're going to go back to D.C. and be put on trial unless yeah. you were to escape somewhere between here and the airport, having assaulted Mr. Brent and me. And Renner's <laughs> like, uh, sir? <laughs> sir? What? I like when they're getting on their like weird like safe house train or something that like they have to like do like a retina scan and so they got yeah. like jump up and hold the side of the train as they're like dodging all these uh like railings or something that they're passing by so they don't run into them. It's such a minor sequence in this mm-hmm. otherwise crazy action movie. But yeah, just that scene with the scenario. I just can't think of two weirder actors yeah. to have like a dialogue scene together. Um I like the crazy monologue we get like on video from Cobalt here. Well, before that, so Renner's character, like the nebbish thing, he's hugging himself this whole time. Like he's freezing cold. Meanwhile, Ethan Hunt, I had to say like in this one scene, I thought he was dripping big dick energy. Like it's blood red Russian river water. Uh, he just seems so like back in his fucking element. I think that's like big Zeno energy, but yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah. So they get in the train. Um, it's all dark in there with like Simon Pegg and Paula Patton just like pointing guns. Like they were just uh, like, this when is, did the lights go out? This is a hell of a safe house. I want to live in this thing. Well, it's so fucking fancy. They have these like tablet tables that slide out from like part of the wall. And then you don't even have to like stick the flash drive in. It's just like inductive. You just like sit it on the table and it it's reads your fucking flash drive. Wireless headphones. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they get the, the speech from Cobalt where he's super nuts. He grew numb from spending 20 years guessing how the world would end. And then he started getting real erect and he started thinking about like 
what happens after and he couldn't come anymore without it so where did renner find like this like zip up tactile neck that he's wearing like out of nowhere well (laughs) you see like there's a there's one angle of the train car where there's like these like the, the only four chairs are all like pushed close together and it's like I'm sorry do we all have to sit this close to each other? It's gonna be a long trip. Yeah, so uh, they've they've got to find Cobalt. The only leads they have are Moreau, who has the launch codes, and Wistrom, who's planning to meet Moreau in Dubai to, to buy the launch codes because they they need them for the launch device that they've stolen. And so that's the plan. Go to the Burj Dubai. You you got to be impressed with this PowerPoint presentation Ethan Hunt gives because we know for a fact that he had like zero time to yeah. prepare it. <laughs> no prep time at all. He's, he's, his stack is solid. He moves it. Yeah. I just I just I'm so envious of any presentation where you can have multiple screens and just like throw up different images on them when you need them. But yeah, so they're they're going to the Burj Khalifa, the Meet Moreau. These. These terrorists, they don't do anything boring or weird on the dark web. They meet in fancy, expensive hotels. I love how fast, like, the establishing shots are in this movie. It's like these are, like, really crazy, like, swooping, like, drone shots. You know, it's it's not, like, a static or slow-moving shot. Like, it really amps up. It's not just like, oh, let's relax. We're in a new location. It's like, oh, shit, we're in Dubai now, you know. I just kept wondering, does this train car have a bathroom? It's probably a plastic bag or something. What is going on with Ethan Hunt's driving in this scene? He almost wrecks like a couple well, times. The super fucking weird line, or he's just like camels. Well, it, it in the first establishing shot, he's like trying to pass this truck with like fucking no margin for error, like yeah. running, like running the truck coming the opposite way off the road practically. And then when it cuts to him driving, he isn't like, "Woo, that was close." He's just like leaning back casual you know he's driving like way too fast and it's like a thing it's like you see like agent carter kind of notices and has to warn him about the camels that he almost runs into like what is going on are you just insane ethan hunt like what are you doing well they play with it really well and, and it's probably my one of my favorite gags in rogue nation just the after they've restarted his heart mm-hmm. and simon Pegg's like are you okay to drive you were dead like two minutes ago <laughs> and he's just like what are you talking about yeah, is, so, is it possible that canonically Ethan Hunt is a bad driver? <laughs> or like, what if he just has like a weird vision problem? Yeah, he has uh, no death perception. <laughs> so Ethan Hunt institutes this basically like no killing of the hot French assassin rule. Um, Which really upsets Agent Carter because she wants her revenge, yeah. Or not really upsets, but you could tell it perturbs her. Yeah, Jeremy Renner's like kind of pissy and constipated. Like he is he is dragged along this because he's going to be the helper Okay, so when they're driving into Dubai, they they're just in like these kind of like random clothes. Like she's in a tank top, he's in like a a loose white button up shirt. When they go, when they roll into the actual hotel, it's like they all stopped at one of like the outlets or something because they are fashionable as fuck when they walk in. Isn't like they, yeah, these they guys are, are both wearing like twenty thousand dollars suits when they walk in, like Renner and Cruz here, which means that those were in the train car, right? Well, I, they might have just gone. I mean, I, I, Dubai, I'm pretty sure it's like Vegas where they have like all like the super fancy, you know, high end like outlet stores or whatever. Like, I, I think they like before they came to the hotel, they went to the nearest whatever fashion place and just like, you know, put it on the IMF Amex or something. Well, they wouldn't have put it on the IMF. Amex. Oh, yeah. That well, they must have they, they must have funds from somewhere. 
what so basically they would have like a, like a duffel bag of cash yeah. in the train car. Mm-hmm. Cuz there's a great there's a great bit there just with the only thing that's left of the IMF is the four of us and the contents of this train car, which we're going to immediately abandon. There must be like a briefcase with a million dollars because these seats are ridiculous. Yeah. And they're shiny expensive. Oh, no. Yeah. So we get the great establishment shot of the Burj Khalifa. Somehow Benji did not get the good suit, though. I just had to point out. He's wearing a fucking plaid shirt with like a red tie. It's not a bad. I'd wear that shirt. I mean, it's not terrible, but next to these two guys. Yeah. Like they're they, they drop him off at like the cheap store down the road. <laughs> We're like, hey, we'll yes. come back and pick you up. We're going to well, like, Brothers. Listen, guy, you're going to be behind a computer. Like, how you know? How good do you need to look? Yeah. We're all going to be you know getting there, scrapping it up, uh, shagging ass. Um, yeah. So they're in the room, and he's like, ah, uh, slight wrinkle. There's nothing <laughs> to worry about. We're just going to have to go in the server room from outside. From the outside. Well, I love this great wrinkle where he's just like, oh, this would have been totally easy if we had this dude back at Langley. But since that person doesn't exist anymore, neither do we. We have to go from the outside. And then we get the crazy gloves with like suction or traction or whoever they hold on to the glass. And I like how quickly it develops, you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. yep, let's just cut a hole through this window, move it aside. You put on like your he's got like a weird outfit he's wearing for this. Like he ditched that suit like immediately. And now he's in like this weird like jumper. Yeah. It's like weird climbing pants. Um, Blue is I love what's red. Red's dead. I love when he finally gets like the glove is one thing. Okay. So the glove breaks. That's perfect. He falls. He climbs back up. When he finally gets up to the window, he just kind of like wedges himself between like, the two frames. And he's like laser cutting the window. And then like the laser cutter like sparks <laughs> breaks and he falls. Well, they, they set that up earlier too when they're cutting out the window to the hotel yeah. room yeah well just the shot of where it's like oh there he is like standing at the window and then the camera just kind of rises up and then it just moves right on outside with them mm-hmm. and it's just like yeah are you uh are you feeling a little sweaty mm-hmm. you feel a little uneasy right now holy shit how's he doing that oh well, well and just the like super effective me is when he Burst through the window, like just like by holding at the top of the window and just like uh-huh. kicking it, and then he swings in. And I love that he like basically cuts the last glove of glass. Oh, and, and the um, so good too. Yeah, he breaks the other one. Even before that, though, when the the laser cutter he has like malfunctions and he falls like a good eight stories, it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, the other thing I like about this this whole Burge Khalifa scene is. They keep cutting back to the device that's like 3D printing the masks. Mm-hmm. Only for it to fail. Setting, yeah, they're, like they're setting up like you're gonna, this is going to be a big thing. We're going to do the fucking masks again. Um, and then meanwhile, like they had the devices that rewrite the room number plates. How does that work? Who cares? Yeah. The point is it works and it's neat. Yeah. So there's a cryptographer. The masks are broken. They have to now get the like real codes and like give those away to the bad guy. This movie's great. Well, it's uh, like we were going to give them the fake nuclear codes, but they're bringing like a dude who can verify it. So, all right, let's give them the real ones, you know? Yeah. Renner so doesn't want like to nice do it. Yeah. How, how, yeah, how good is the tracking people. distance? A half mile, maybe. <laughs> um, so you get this great sequence. Where you have two parties pretending to be each other for deception purposes in two different hotel rooms right above or below each other. Well, and you've got the fancy eye, uh, eye contact lens that you can like blink twice to take a, 
a photo of the paper he's looking at and then it'll print out like differently. That's pretty cool. Uh, that you get this shot where it like pans down from one hotel suite to the other to like show that this is happening at the same time. Well, you work in like tech stuff. So like the note that I would take back to the engineers is like, maybe don't make the grid thing visible on the outside of the, (laughs) of the contact. Okay. I'm sure the engineers like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Do you realize how complicated that technology is? Sure. Um, so there's another great moment here. This would be like my number nine top moment. It's so small. It's when the one henchy is like frisking Ethan Hunt and he finds the climbing goggles. Oh, yeah. And Tom Cruise just shrugs like, hey, I'm a weird guy. Yeah. I like the bit where like they're in this standoff because he won't uh, pay Moreau until she like shows him the codes. And she's like, mm. okay, kill that one. Yeah. And then they're just like, we're going to kill box, blah, blah, blah. None of us make it out of here alive. They're sweeping us up in buckets. Yeah. Well, she's so good about just playing up the 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 way she's observing these two jokers. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, see so here, diamonds. Renner is still acting all like twitchy here, and so it's like it's maybe stiff. you're not a cool guy, or are you just like you're so deep into your cover as like a non-agent that you're gonna fuck up the exchange? Well, but think about then. Granted, it's it's based on where the plot needs him, but at the start of Rogue Nation, he's like basically back to being he's a desk guy again, yeah. 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 Maybe he's never been a cool guy. I I don't know. I feel like halfway through pre-production of this movie, Tom Cruise is like, wait, no, I'm not stepping aside for this guy. Well, I mean, it's like, was William Brandt trying to fool us into thinking he was a cool guy? What was your scenario? What was your scenario? Uh, Yeah, so I love that one of the biggest spy gadgets... That actually effectively works in this whole sequence. Fake arm, fake hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's so creepy too. Yes, yes, it is. Um, yeah. So uh, there's a, there's a pretty funny moment. Like Paula Patton gets. I think she's kind of. She's definitely the eye candy, and like we'll talk about when we get there because Mission Impossible movies have a certain way they like to show off women. There's mm-hmm. a certain like trope they like to do, but. Like she's the eye candy, but she gets some little comic moments. Um, when she doesn't know, she has to pretend like the stall. Like I don't know how to open the the briefcase. Oh, maybe there's a key, and then like there's not a key. Oh, it's a combination. He's like, well, what's the combination? I'll open it, and she's just like, oh, it's uh zero zero zero. <laughs> as seductively as she can say, it, yeah, yeah. Her uh, her French accent. Oh, we forgot to mention that uh, Sabine Moreau, the French assassin, she only works for diamonds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's mm-hmm. like that's the most like James Bondish I feel like that this uh, franchise has ever gotten. Yeah, I think with this movie, they were like, "Look, guys, you just got to embrace some of the weirdness of your mm-hmm. world. It can't be. It's not a straightforward. It's not the born identity or whatever. Don't even go there. It's like just just be kind of weird." They they uh, release this uh this like you know the code verification guy. He verifies it. They leave. They he makes the call to like release the guy's wife and family, and then turns around and shoots this guy. Mm-hmm. love it oh yeah you, you go give them the message yourself or in person uh surrender shows off that he's like secret fighting skills which like tom cruise notices in the middle of a fight like oh this bro's got secrets so he's great sequence like tom too. tom cruise is going to have to go after uh cobalt's henshi and agent carter's about to take on moreau um even even even's like walkie-talkie starts malfunctioning yeah cool little fight scene between um carter and moreau there yeah well, a couple of them, yeah. Well, 
Yeah, and they're just getting kicked out a fucking window. And it's like, that's it. You don't need to see her fall. You know where that's ending up. <laughs> well, I mean, the only thing else they could have done is there's a there's like a, a lower shot as like Tom Cruise is doing his T-1000 run oh, out of the really hotel. If she just like splatted next to him. <laughs> He's like, no time. Well, there's something almost more scary about like never seeing the aftermath of it. You know? Yeah. It's just like, whoa. That was out the window. Okay. I mean, I I don't know how they do things in Dubai, but I would think that this tower is locked down. Yeah. Uh, yeah so the, the Russian cop shows up. There's like a fight on an escalator as in the takeoff to the dust storm. Um, the yeah, the cat fight in the hotel room before she kicks her out of the window is great because you got like the torn dresses, you got knives, you got gut punches, you got vases being is this, smashed. Is this where you have the corkscrew? I think so. I think one of them starts fighting with the corkscrew, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, outside there's the sandstorm. There's like traffic jams and like accidents being caused. Why, why are cars still on the road? Yeah. Did you not get well, the you, warning? You would think that this would be a regular thing. You live in fucking Dune. Like, you'd think that you would know that sandstorms are, are you would, happening on the regular. You would think that it'd be like, oh, got the text alert or whatever, sandstorm coming in. I better pull over and not just yeah. be like driving fast on the freeway. <laughs> I think if I just lay on the horn the whole time, people will get the message. Well, the uh, great, great Tom Cruise running shot as he's coming out of the hotel or there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's what's one take is he can do that. And it's kind of funny. I was rewatching some of like Buffy season four and, and season five. And I just kind of remember remind myself that like Sarah Michelle Geller runs really funny. Oh yeah. Uh, and so it's it's kind of funny to watch him like he has such a an affect to his run but it's like it's there's determination there mm-hmm. so thank god he still has those goggles uh, he puts those on um great bit was he's like looking at his like phone thing tracking the signal on the paper and it's like oh that's funny the signal's coming right at me pretty fast and then this car just like almost mows him down yeah, this uh, this whole action scene is crazy, and it's it's neat because it's like we you know you don't normally get like the sandstorm chase, you know, it's, it's something yeah. new and different. And he he eventually like yanks part of this dude's face off because it's a mask. It's not mm-hmm. actually Wistrom; it's Cobalt. I don't know if they did a switcheroo. I guess not. It was like for whatever reason, Cobalt wanted to come himself. Why? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any real sense. Well, I just I think. I think at some point in like the script phase, somebody, maybe JJ was just like, I like what you did there where you set up the face making machine and then like you threw it out, but I still, I, I, need, I need a mask. I need a mask. Yeah. I have to have a mask. It might and even listen, be in like the contract or something. Listen, I, I know I'm a weird guy. You probably heard, Oh, JJ really wants a mask. No, that's not what I said. I need a mask. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to take his face off. Are we to believe that, that, uh, cobalt is in this car that like does this crazy head-on collision flip i don't know when he gets out of the car because he he would also be be peeing blood (laughs) like these guys these guys would take three months off to deal with their fucking concussions um there's a great shot that i completely forgot about it's so weird when tom cruise actually gets in a car for his driving stuff the camera is presumably like under the pedals like you see him stomping on brakes and stomping on gas mm. pedals. It's fascinating. Um, well, and then the shot when Cobalt finally gets away at the end 
and like mm-hmm. perfect timing the sandstorm ends yes yes I, I, yeah. I don't know how they did that but it's amazing it's such a cool way to end the sequence yeah well he, he's on this truck he's driving away he's gotten away he pulls off the mask and like tosses these and hunt he's just a little extra like yeah <laughs> uh, so in the safe house everyone is cooling off i you know whatever you're people of action you're all attractive i feel like rubbing a wet rag over my neck is not gonna cut it no <laughs> for what what are you trying to cut like, like, just the, like the the level of heat that you're presumably dealing with in Dubai, okay. Like the shit you've been through. Like, I need to be outside of like four people hosing me down. Okay. Um, yeah. So they start like like cooling off. I mean, they start this like is, screaming their fucking heads This off is the real other. downshift into like, hey, we need some dramatic stakes now. Besides the end of the world, we need something yeah, personal. So, so Jeremy Renner and Agent Carter are screaming at each other, and then like they're screaming at Simon Pegg, and then Ethan Hunt comes and he's screaming at Jer- Jeremy Renner, making him prove he's not an analyst. Um, and how does an agent with skills like that end up an analyst? We all have our secrets, don't we, Ethan? Well, and at this point, the bad guys have a nuclear launch device, a Russian nuclear launch device, and the launch codes. So it's like, yeah, you uh, you gave them those launch codes, and you thought they wouldn't get away, and now they got away, and uh, we're kind of fucked. Oh, so just the scene, Tom Cruise fires them. Does he? Kind of. He's like, you guys. I feel losers. like he was just like. Them. I'm tired of listening to you, bitch. I'm out of here. Maybe I'll be back. Well, it's kind of like he fires them and then like he hires them back like two scenes later. Um, he goes and sees the fog is this guy's name. The the weird arms dealer. So f- first, the big, tall, blonde dude from the first movie returns again, offering him a mask. Mm-hmm. So presumably that guy got out of jail was like, who do I go work for? I can't call up Vanessa Redgrave anymore. Maybe there's some Russian arms dealer. I think this is where we get Renner's like sob story about uh, how he's supposed to be guarding a husband and wife. The wife was kidnapped. Turns out the husband is Ethan Hunt. Wife, well, and wife's body was found three days later, or was it? Classic movie blocking where they're sitting at a table and he's like standing, like telling them his story, drinking tequila. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Carter's like, and what happened to the husband? Never saw him again until two days ago when the secretary introduced me to Ethan Hunt. Bum bum bum. The the whole cover story is that Ethan Hunt was disavowed for killing some Serbian fuckers who may have killed his wife. And then we get this is the guy. This is the guy. Yeah. So this character's name is Arms Dealer, and according to IMDb, his name is The Fog. I don't know, he's like the edge or something. Um This guy This guy I thought it's kinda lame. This guy strikes me as very JJ Abrams as well though. Maybe. It's kind of like I don't know. It's it's like a different vibe than what you'd expect, I guess. Like he's not, he's not like uh, kind of cartoonish. He's like more yeah, understated. That's that is a nice thing about him. He's just a he's like probably a guy who would actually be in this business. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's not he doesn't have some weird affectation, but he's also not doing that thing. Like even like fucking Dugray Scott is just like, look at how I like to punish women. <laughs> Power. You know, like he's just like a guy who's just doing business. Um, and like, so yeah, uh, Ethan Hunt's just like talking about like the Americans and Russians are on the brink of war. And the guy's like, eh, I don't know if you noticed, war's pretty good in my business. And then Ethan Hunt's like, but nuclear war? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, maybe. And then, so I love, 
Sorry, so I presume he, he writes them a check or something, or I guess, they still have Ethan, a bag of cash because he's a private jet. Ethan Hunt now has a private jet and like a ton of new, ton of new gear that I don't think they had yeah. before. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I don't know. This guy's just like, all right, here's a shitload of like arms and you know material. So he's like, you're all hired back. We're going to India. So they all board the plane. And I'm like, who's going to load all this fucking gear with me? Yeah, really? <laughs> so they got to go to India because the only way to use that launch device, you need a tactical satellite. And this like one like Indian, he's like the, the Indian, um, I can't think of the fucker's name now. Who's the guy who runs Fox? Oh, you mean the, uh, the host of the Indian who wants to be a millionaire? No, well, is that the host? That's not so from Slumdog Millionaire. Oh, it yeah. is okay. Um, yeah. Who I cannot think. Fucking Robert Rupert Murdoch. That's who I'm thinking of. Oh. This guy's like the Indian Rupert Murdoch. He like owns like a a television station, like a satellite, and everything. He's like like communications guru or, or something like that. Um, right. Anyway, he has he's something like bought the satellite on the black market or something like that, and so that's the one that the bad guys are going to use. Somehow they just know this. Whatever, the 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 fog tells them that. The fog. The fog will then call the Russian cop guy and be like, "I'm telling you this because we're both Russian. How many genes would this be worth to you?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> we get the uh, fun little conversation about the plan on the plane where Benji's explaining to Renner here. You know, you wear this suit. You jump down this thing, you fall, I catch you, and then I like maneuver you through like the server room. He's like, "Wait, can we back up a little bit?" And I jump out, and you catch me. And he's like, "Yeah, I catch you." Yeah, it's a it's an extended like little comical moment between these two. They have like a crazy. I don't even know what kind of car this is. It's super futuristic looking. I'm sorry, it's Anil Kapoor. I kept trying to remember the actor's name. Okay. Is the Indian guy? Yeah, yeah, I know that guy from like season seven of Twenty Four. I think. Of course, he's in Twenty Four. Mm-hmm. I think he died eventually. R.I.P. The actor? No, no, the uh, the character in Twenty Four. Okay. Um. Yeah, I mean, but anyway, so this character in the movie is making that big who wants to be a millionaire money. I love that, like when they see the plane and like to what you're talking about, Ethan's like, wait till you see the car. Yeah, like, so okay, it's a where's beamer. Where's the car? <laughs> yeah, where is the car? That's they just show you a picture of the car and tell you you'll be waiting for you in India? <laughs> well, this car is incredible. I don't think this is a real car you can buy. It looks like some sort of futuristic concept car. It has like gold wing doors. Futuristic concept car that also has like the holographic yes. <laughs> display on the windshield. That thing was cool. <laughs> well, it's like it's the better progression of the fucking post Iron Man thing. Mm hmm. You're not throwing a hologram around and then manipulating it. Like you still have like a touch screen. To... <laughs> yeah. Well, and then you've got your real James Bond moment here where it's like Ethan Hunt is in a tuxedo. Paul Patton's like wearing like the super fancy like turquoise dress now. It's this uh, big like, I don't know what this is. It's like a dinner party or I don't know. It's, it's a crazy big party. Did we get to the, the bit where he has a little pep talk with uh, uh, Paula Patton? Maybe. Yeah. I think that might have happened. And he's like giving her a little like some shit about like kill, like the non-revenge way she killed the woman she wants to get revenge on. And she's like, did it make you feel better when you killed the men who killed your wife? And he's got this great moment like, how did you hear that story? Yeah. Like, or what did oh, you well, say something like, we can't bring them back? So we might as well do this thing. Yeah. yeah. 
So this is the thing. Mission Impossible movies, they love the babe in the dress shot. Oh, yeah. Like, especially like the leggy babe in a dress. Well, it's, and it's always, it's some big fancy function, mm-hmm. you know, like we were like rich people to tend. And it's, there's always the wrinkle of like part of the reason that the woman is in this dress is to be the distraction. Like that's kind of the point of it. But at the mm-hmm. same time, the movie doesn't really mind showing it off no. at the same time. Yeah. I, I'll take, I would take this glamour. I mean, as far as objectification over like, forcing Paula Patton like put on a bikini and like crawl out of the ocean like half the Bond girls or whatever you know I mean it's not that it's better but it's a little better well, th- maybe this sequence is sort of weird because it's like she's like her I guess her mood right now is like she wants revenge but she has to go like seduce this like communication satellite magnet or whatever and so mm-hmm. she's like he, he, she's got Ethan Hunt in her ear the whole time just being like I gotta do a little sexier, you know. I gotta come on, man. What, what are you doing over there? You, you want me to tell you how to do it? I'll come over there and seduce it for you. You know, it's like, would you fucking stop backseat driving, dude? Well, also, I feel like maybe she knows what to do, guy. Like, yeah, don't don't mansplain the it's artist so, introduction to her. It's a really weird, and I feel like I don't know if it's intentionally supposed to come off as amusing because it fails you know and it's like it's this is another example of them like fucking it up and not doing it right well because he comes over and like plays the hunch where he kisses her to make the guy jealous but he's like before he does it he's like don't hit me yeah but even after all that like it's still it doesn't really work she's too late you know it doesn't they, they they're not in time to use the codes to override satellite so there's like uh there's some like clunkers of like team banter where Simon Pegg's like, why am I even called Pluto? Like, why is that my call sign? It's not even a planet anymore. And Jeremy Renner, who, again, doesn't really fit properly in this movie, is like, well, I think Uranus is available. He's, he's like that guy who, like, he's the new he's the new guy of, like, a an established group who just he doesn't fit in with the inside jokes and the rhythms and whatnot, you know? Yeah. Like, his name would be, like, Brian. He just fucking shows up to everything the group does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or Tara. Sorry. Okay. Do you know somebody named Tara who's fucking we've had, for you? We've had this conversation before about uh, somebody named Tara who doesn't fit in with the rest of the gang. Really? Mm-hmm. Tara doesn't fit in with the gang? Do you know what I'm talking about? We're talking about Tara, Tara? Yeah. How did she not fit in with the gang? <sighs> we'll have this conversation. The rest of you, no, the rest of you just go back to what you're doing while we talk this private matter out. Mm-hmm. No. Um, yeah, I like how the rich guy, he's so rich that his affectation is that his servants serve him cell phones on a platter. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of this. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's a little over the top and corny and it's super corny. It's not even clear why she needs codes. And it's like the only way to get them is to seduce this guy. It kind of feels like they just, they needed something for these characters to do while like Renner's and Benji are doing their little side action sequence, which seems like they could have found a more effective way of doing that. Like yeah. maybe climbing gear. <laughs> like I mean, the the, the magnet thing is neat. Sure. Um, what's great about that whole magnet sequence? My favorite part is when when Renner finally escapes. Like like just by the seat of his pants, he like like barely scave survives that thing. He is just fucking drenched in sweat. Oh yeah. Like he's got this like weird chainmail futuristic armor thing under his shirt, but it, that shirt is soaked. He's got a fucking stink. Um. Yeah, so the guy, the the Indian 
Rupert Murdoch like has the servants serve her a cell phone so they can like talk and flirt and play hide and seek at this party, which is this is just some fucking real rich shit. Um, then the Russian cop shows up. Yeah, somehow this guy got an invite too. Yeah. Do you oh, need uh, an invite to one of these things? Can you just walk in? I would presume you need an invite. Otherwise, like if you just walk in and you look like your suit costs like $20,000 and they're like, oh, obviously you're supposed to be here. Well, that would probably certainly help if you look mm-hmm. like you belong. Um, yeah. So the rich guy has spied her making out with Tom Cruise, which is funny is I kind of thought they were playing on this like subtle thread of chemistry between Paula Patton and Tom Cruise until they kiss. And I was like, no. No, it's like kissing your brother. It's, it's not even a hot way. Um, so the rich guy is just like, that guy's not your type. He's completely cold. I'm very hot. <laughs> <laughs> so the rich guy has like a sexy art hallway where he makes a move on Paula Patton, but he's into the rough stuff. So she like slaps him around a little bit. I mean, this dude isn't thirsty. He's parched. I feel like this is the part of the movie where they could have cut some stuff or turned it down. You don't just really the- need it. Yeah, get to like Cobalt and his henchie. Like, get yeah. to, like, uh, meanwhile, at the TV station or, or whatever they're doing their fucking thing at, Cobalt is immediately like blasting off to his henchie, like, reprogram why, the satellite. Why do you keep re- saying henchie? Oh, whatever. You reprogram the satellite to the original military specs, download the virus, and the guy is like, okay. And he's like, plugs in a flash drive. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> well, then it's like, okay, well, the, this whole plan with the magnets and the suit and everything, that didn't work. So now we got to get the heck over to this TV station. Because uh, they're like literally about to launch a nuclear weapon. Yeah, while I, she's like changing clothes in the car and like plotting routes for him. I like the the one bit where it's like Renner has to get out of the server room after the the fan turns back on. So he like he does the thing. He's like blown up in the air, but not high enough by the fans, and so he like mm-hmm. kind of crouches, makes himself small to fall down, and then like flattens out to make himself big. And that was pretty cool. Mm. Um. Yeah, so like uh, Cobalt's like listing off all this bad guy shit. He's got to like lock the Russians out of the missiles, fire one missile from a sub, and apparently tie from the Kremlin bombing. He's like, half of this is for the audience's benefit. Um, well, I mean, it's is it's funny because it's like, oh, it's gonna launch in like five minutes or something. You're like, oh, they're gonna make it in time, and it's like, well, not exactly, no, because that missile fucking launches. <laughs> it's like yeah. cut to the Russian submarine. Oh, we just got the codes, and then it's like they call to confirm and the call goes to cobalt there and he's just like yep do it and then shut off all communications oh never mind hover at october all it takes is a phone call yeah which they're clearly like dubbing in someone else's voice that he's like doing a voice for right what do you mean like when he's on the phone call with the russian sub commander i think it's just his voice i think uh, it's someone else's voice there mm-hmm. it might just um, be like filtered through the radio or whatever but uh the movie's very interesting though. When they're in the the like frantic car ride across town to go stop these guys, and like they're like, "Oh shit, we're not gonna make it!" Like we're we're so many minutes away, and like this thing's already launched. Like he looks over at Paula Patton, like we're gonna make it. Don't worry. I like that he's like his eyes are up there. You know what I mean? Like she's half naked, mm-hmm. and he's like still just like like meeting well, her gay. Nuclear war is imminent. So yeah, I don't know. It gets me hot. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so the bomb's in the air and the bad guy launches it and he's just like, let there be peace on Earth. Well, the, the missiles in the air, they're still in the car. They're not even to the TV station yet. And it's like, fuck. Yeah. And, it's like, and it's like, it's funny how there's like all this kind of these new deadlines. It's like, 
we need to get to this point to override the server. And it's like, oh, we didn't do that. Okay, well, if we can get to the TV station in the next five minutes, we can stop the missile from launching. Oh, missed that window. Okay, how long until the missile hits? <laughs> well, how, how long can we possibly stretch this out? Well, the, the movie is just doing this great thing where it's constantly like, you've got one week to stop this bad guy, but here's the twist. Did I say one week? I meant one hour, but mm-hmm. here's the thing. He's going to do his thing in one minute. Good luck. Um, yeah, so they, they run in the TV station. There's like a hail of gunfire. Jane's been shot. Power's been knocked out. Um, immediately, like Ethan's chasing Cobalt through the streets so they can get like the... It's like a, there's a briefcase thing that they can abort the That's the, the launch missile. device, yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, Cobalt's trying to run away with the launch device so they can't stop it. Gotta talk about how, I don't know like, why this Cobalt. guy didn't just like take a hammer to it, but sure, you know, whatever. So, yeah, seriously. Like Cobalt's also like in a white suit the whole time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look. This fight with the um it's like a automated parking garage tower thing. Yes. It's fascinating. It's pretty cool. I, I guess these exist. I, mean, I feel like this was definitely the case of like one of the writers or producers of this movie like went to one of these things at some point and was like, Yes, there needs to be an action scene at one of these. Yeah. Seemingly the robot arms are just moving the cars for the hell of it. There's no like sense that like you have to put certain cars in certain places or people are waiting for their cars. These robots are just like, this is what we just do for fun after hours. We just move cars around. But yeah, there this is a pretty like intense fight. It kind of reminds me a little bit of moments of um like I want to say like Casino Royale is maybe well, like these the guys, best Bond movie for the fights. But the like halfway through this fight, like each of them probably have like a broken ankle and maybe like a broken wrist. Yeah, right. And like it's, they're just yeah. like limping around by the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they 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 look like they've got like heavy bellies full of like meat and chocolate. Um, shit's bouncing around. Like they're like the the nuclear fetishist guy is just like kicking like this briefcase constantly out of Ethan Hunt's way, and then it'll fall on a platform, and then the platform will zip away. Um, like there's a great bit like where it's super effective. He just kicks it under a car at one point, and it's like Ethan's just like trying to maneuver around where he can actually reach under the car and get this thing, and then the car lifts up. The, uh, the header that Cobalt does off of this thing is pretty fucking intense. Well, because yeah, Ethan Hunt's like, I'm taking that briefcase, and the guy's like, Are you? And he like with his good arm, he like he hugs the thing tight to himself, and he just like tips backwards, falls <laughs> eight stories or more. Well, he like hits another car on the way down and like bounces off of it and falls even further. Yeah, so <laughs> pretty brutal. Then, like in a movie full of incredibly fucking nuts things, Ethan Hunt does the next crazy nuts thing, where he gets into a car, <laughs> buckles in, turns it on, and just drives it over the edge and falls the fifteen stories down to be like basically saved by airbags. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how how well that would work, but yeah, yeah. I do, who the fuck wants to test it? Uh, so he crawls out towards the case, and you get the kind of like the villain shot where it's like you, Cobalt should be dead, but his eyes open, like he's like, mm-hmm, I'm about to do something villainous, even though I'm utterly paralyzed. Well, meanwhile, we've been cutting to the various stages of this ICBM as it's like lifted off, it's in low Earth or- orbit, it's like jettisoning in its first stage, it's you know headed closer and closer and closer to the West Coast. Uh, meanwhile, over in the TV studio. They're like trying to rewire all the shit that Wistrom pulled out, and mm-hmm. Jeremy Renner's got to go fight Wistrom because I think Paul Packen gets shot like in the gut here. Yeah, it's yeah, like enough shot. to take her out of the fight, but seemingly she's fine otherwise. Yeah, she doesn't even realize for a couple of seconds that she's been shot. Yeah, as as even though it's in the, in the stomach. Yeah, yeah, 
So Ethan Hunt, he gets the case open and he does his like big movie moment where he's just like, mission accomplished. And he slams down the big red button and like nothing happens. So he keeps hitting it. <laughs> yeah. They at the, you know, kill Wistrom, turn the power back on, shove the hard drives back into the racks, hit the button just in time. And like how many seconds they get? I'm not sure if we see the, the like countdown three or something it's, crazy. I think that's less than a second. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's crazy. And then it like it shuts off just in time and just like plows into the Transamerica building and like bounces off and into the bay there. Like that San Francisco. No explosion. That close, San Francisco. You were that close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mission accomplished. And then the Russian cop shows up at the end and is like, Oh, it turns out you were a friend. You were trying to warn me. It's all good. Like, I don't know how you're not all arrested right now, but sure. He's like a hospital. <laughs> and that's like, yes, please. And passes out. But like this, the, the way he like fills in the plot for like the audience, like, so we are not enemies. The phone call from the arms dealer in Dubai. You wanted me to find you. <laughs> I wanted them to be like, sure, <laughs> man, I don't even care right now. So it, it cut to Seattle. I guess eight weeks later. Yeah, eight weeks later. I guess that uh, Michelle Monaghan's character like moved here because it's like because I think she lived in like Virginia or DC or something before. Yeah, they were right? in DC, so they would have been yeah. in Virginia or Maryland. Um, yeah, so she's basically like I don't know, like in Grey's Anatomy now or something. Um, we find out from the news that <laughs> classic story. People were pretty sure it had to be part of an aircraft, but now the military says it's just a meteorite large enough to be seen during the daylight. Well, it's, it's eight weeks later, and the news story is just like, residents are still wondering what happened eight weeks ago, and that uh, one thing happened. It's like, uh, sure, whatever. Yeah, that's a funny news story, though. People are still wondering what happened two months ago. Yeah. I mean, that's, Jesus, man. With the wave move, news moves so fast now, I don't have time to think about what happened earlier today. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that Ethan Hunt is just chilling at some outdoor crab shack with like He's, Luther. That's because Ethan Hunt is fucking salt of the earth guy, man. <laughs> yeah, I guess he is. Like, I want to see him just like throwing away just some like shrimp, like drinking a dose Yeah, yeah, but just you know, with with the label always carefully turned away from the camera. <laughs> um, I love that Ethan Bing Rames actually tells Ethan Hunt how corny he is. Yeah. As they're telling their war stories. Your missions choose to accept them. Yeah, so so Carter, Benjo, and Brant show up. Um basically I feel like this is like what Michael Scott dreams that his like get togethers with his coworkers are like. That they're all gonna be best friends and like be spies together and like here's some phones. They're they're all gonna do the thing where suddenly they start laughing. Yeah. Even though it's not very funny. Free, yeah. Freeze frame at the end of a TV show episode in the eighties. Or maybe they're going to do like a group high five, like where they jump in the air. Um, but yeah, he's like, oh man, we were disavowed. We had bad tech. The only thing that worked together was this team. Except yeah. for you, Brant. So your missions, choose to accept them. Be my friends. I don't have any. <laughs> Seriously, I don't. I'm fucking weird. Yeah, I'm so fucking weird, man. I'm at a crab shack drinking a beer. Um, yeah, we find talking my, uh, my ex-wife. I don't know. I don't know what their situation is. Like, well, you know, nature's divorce, murder, <laughs> fake murder. It's like a witness protection murder. Well, so we find uh, out now Brant is finally like, 
hey, I don't know if I can join your team, you know, and pick up that phone because because I have drama that you don't know about. And it's like, turns out Ethan Hunt does know about it. Although I guess he did not find out until after the India mission, he says. Yeah, yeah. But he's Even like, though people were telegraphing clues about it to him like crazy. Yeah. And it's like, oh, turns out it's all cool, though, because his wife is still alive. Um, I'm telling you this, you know, because I trust you. Only you and, like, the secretary knew. It was, it was all... I, I think maybe the wife was kidnapped, but he was able to get her back, but they made it seem like she was killed. I think that's kind of what he explains. Also, the six dead Serbians, and he's just like, shrug. <laughs> so, yeah, what are you going to do? Got to do business. Yeah, so we find out that, like, basically... You want they, a dead Serbian? I'll get you six dead Serbians. <laughs> they parlayed that into the mission, so the whole... Him being in the prison was specifically about, like tracking down like cobalt's people and i guess keeping an eye on bagnon um yeah so brant is relieved but i feel like he should also be you know furious yeah yeah, it's like what is the emotional cost of you know like making these agents think that uh they they fucked up and cost you know someone their life yeah three years of like no sleep and carrying all that Mm -hmm. guilt around and been going to therapy regularly being like a nebbish bore um yeah so we're we're kind of tracking michelle monahan and she's like getting off the ferry of her friends this whole time and then, well it's at first it's like long shots and you're kind of like is that did they, did they go back and get michelle monahan again is she in this movie you're like nah no way not for just like the end of a movie no way fuck yes they did um and so basically it's like we find out you cannot get help but get like a katie holmes vibe from this um oh i didn't i never got that although i suppose she does have the bangs yeah no but i mean just in general like i just feel like the the weirdness of tom cruise like just like i'll always be watching you i guess uh, i don't get that in this scene actually i don't know maybe it's because I, I just really wonder, like though, michelle monahan irl does tom cruise just fucking hate his collateral co-star jamie fox now I, who even knows tom cruise is he dating anyone currently i can't remember I don't, is it real is it not real besides xenu yeah Uh, i don't know but in in this scene i was not thinking about him being insane um so i guess there's that (laughs) you have to go to this kind of bonkers spy franchise for me to feel like you're a normal guy oh what is what is the arrangement here so she (laughs) she's living a new life in seattle he seemingly maybe checks in like it seems like she probably hasn't seen him in quite a while here maybe Mm -hmm. since he set her up in this new gig so are they are they still like together together or has like is it is it an understanding that like they're both gonna have to move on now or is That's she still the holding a got. candle? A vibe I got is that he's holding a candle, they need to move on, but also he's going to just spy on her occasionally. <laughs> I mean she seems pretty happy to see him. It's not like, yeah. oh shit, I hope he didn't see you but, with my coworker or anything like that, you know. But it's not the romantic comedy thing where she's just like, fuck it, and like runs over to him. But she couldn't, though, because I'd be blowing her cover. I don't know. But I mean, like, the point is they don't care. Like, they're not, <laughs> they're not willing to risk blowing their cover. <laughs> and Reiner's just like, three, three fucking years I've had like PTSD because I thought you were dead, and then you just blew your own cover. <laughs> hey, that's Amore. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I am so I mean, I, do you think there are oh. conjugal visits? I, I kind of think now. Well, did you look at the trailer for Fallout? She's in it. It looks like they're getting remarried. I think that's like a dream sequence because, like, well, a nuclear bomb nuclear goes blast. off in the background. Well, I mean, I don't Although, know. A lot of people... 
you know, a lot of people don't talk about, it, but 50% of marriages end in nuclear fallout. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Tom Cruise actually gets his next mission, which the voiceover tells him will be involving the syndicate. Uh, obviously, they didn't know what they were going to do in the next movie because it's a whole other like writer-director situation. But I like how at the end we find out that the syndicate has control of our entire drone fleet. It sounds like a cool serious. setup. <laughs> yeah, that seems serious. Yeah. It's like the syndicate is taking control of the U.S. drone fleet. You're like, oh, I want to watch that movie. Yeah, well, then it's kind of funny. I was thinking about that when I went into Rogue Nation and he's just like sitting in a record shop. Like, oh, with Tally from uh, Last Jedi. Yeah, getting his like new mission. Yeah, poor Tally. Uh, yeah. Uh, so he disappears into the mist at the end. Ghost, Ghost Protocol. Protocol. This movie's great. It's a great movie. All right. Um, make one change. Um, I mean, you kind of convinced me. I would, I would tighten up the the third act a little bit. Some of the stuff with the rich guy is, you're right, is kind of silly and unnecessary. Um, I think I would just, I would find something else for Ethan Hunt to do besides like backseat drive Agent Carter seduction. It's like he can't yeah. be doing anything else right now, especially hers. Like he doesn't care what what uh simon Pegg and jeremy renner are doing yeah yeah oh and i should mention before we get into our power rankings there is a great video out there on youtube i'll put the link to it in the show notes this guy i think his name's like patrick h willem or something like that he has a good mm-hmm. video on like all five of the mission possible movies it's pretty entertaining if you like the franchise it's only about 20 mm. minutes long uh, all right let's do our power rankings i have 10 cool some people didn't right. make the cut uh-oh. Do it. I have Cobalt at number 10. As villains go, he's definitely a step down from Philip Seymour Hoffman and Mission Impossible 3. I mean, the concept is interesting. It just We don't get a ton from him. Yeah, true. Um, I have the like cryptographer guy who can verify the codes. Wow, that guy ranked? 10. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, I kind of threw him in there. All right. I have. I wonder if this guy's on your list. Number nine, Bogdan. Um, this is the I, guy, <laughs> Sergey. Are you not Sergey? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's he's on my list. He's not there. Okay, that's your number nine. That's my nine. My nine is actually um Cobalt. Just because huh? uh, I you know I gave him a hard time. I call him Fat Blomquist. This guy is R.I.P. Now I believe he passed away. Oh really? Yeah, I believe he passed away like not too long ago. Um, he's definitely like he's is an interesting villain. There's just not a lot there. Like he's he's more of a caricature of a bad guy. And like I said, I think if you threw in like a throwaway line, just like by the way, he's also former special forces. Mm-hmm. It would really sell it a lot more. Oh yeah, died a year ago, fifty six. Damn. Yeah. All right, number eight. I have uh, Agent Brandt, Jeremy Renner. It just, I don't know. I was just never quite feeling the character through the whole movie. He's hes not bad, but he doesn't seem to gel as well as the others. I mean, mm. Paula Patton, we've never seen in a Mission Impossible movie before. She, fit, she feels like she fits right in, you know? Yeah. Uh, at number eight, I have uh, Bran as well. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, Jeremy Renner. I just, I don't know. I don't think this is the type of role he should really be doing. Do, do more like Wind Rivers type stuff. He's really good in that. Hmm. Uh, number seven, I have Wistrom. Wistrom and his big 
open collared shirts. Uh, number seven, I have Sergey. Or not Sergey. I keep up Sergey. I have Bogdan. <laughs> hey Bogdan, you really thought that guy's name was Sergey? Okay, just because the way he says Sergey. Yeah, Tom Cruise is like, "Hello, I am Sergey." Obviously, not an American. I would love if we had gotten Tom Cruise attempting a Russian accent. I love the movie. Never, they never even bother like having him speak other languages. Like he can understand it and like other languages respond to them in English, but like they never have him like butcher pronunciations or anything. Yeah. Uh, We at number six. Yes. Did you do your six yet? Or no? I I think I'm going first. My seven. My seven was bottom. All right. Uh, I have Sabine Moreau, the assassin okay. who works for Diamonds. Uh, at six is where I have Winstrom. You're right. He's just got a great look. And you keep thinking he's going to be more important because he shows up in Dubai and then not so much. He's a real <laughs> classic dragon. Yeah. Doesn't do a whole lot. Yeah. Number five, I have Julia Hunt. Oh, you know, I'm sad to say, I'm going to tell you right now, Julia Hunt and Ving Rhames didn't make my cut. I will just take any excuse at all to rate Michelle Monaghan highly. Big, big fan. She is so good in uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I don't know why she's not in more good stuff. I feel like she ends up in a lot of bad stuff, like The Affair. The uh, TV show? Mm-hmm. She's in that, isn't she? Or am I thinking no. of Ruth Wilson? You're thinking of Ruth Wilson. Okay. Yeah. 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 The, the English Michelle you want to be referring to she's actually good in, in true detective she's probably like one of the best parts of true detective once you get past the, the two main you know jokers yeah. um yeah I, I remember thinking i was fucking crazy at the height of my michelle monahan crush when i'm watching like the second born movie and she's like a featured extra in one of the like uh control room sequences yeah, i know and i'm just like what are you doing you've got michelle monahan right there okay so she's on the path and something called Messiah. She was in uh, Pixels. She was in ooh. Patriot's Day. Like, what the fuck? Why is she ending up in these bad movies? Who wasn't she in? Um, yeah, Source a, Code. Who lost a bet to like make Michelle Monaghan play Adam Sandler's spouse in a movie? I'm presuming she plays his love interest, right? I think so. Yeah. Source Code. Right, she's, Source. I, let me just hit you with after Mission Impossible Three. She's in Gone Baby Gone. She's great in that movie. And then she's in The Heartbreak Kid, okay. Maid of Honor, something called Trucker Eagle Eye, which is terrible. Mm. Uh, That's Shia the Beowulf movie, right? Yeah. And we got, oh, she was in Somewhere. That's interesting. I don't even remember That's, her in Somewhere. Yeah. P- probably not a big, uh, then Due Date, Source Code, Machine Gun Preacher. Oh, man. She was in that piece of shit. Oh, I guess uh, technically her name is Julia Mead, not Julia Hunt. I guess she didn't take his last name. Well, according to Wikipedia, she's Julia Mead hyphen Hunt. Oh, well, there you go. Which wouldn't that fuck? I mean, what the fuck is her name now? When she have a brand new name, she's dead. Yeah, she should have like a a, a nom de plume. Fallout's going to be rough for me because you're going to make me like have Rebecca Ferguson fight Michelle Monaghan for my affection in a movie. That's cruel. I love it. Well, see, I never got a romantic vibe between Ilsa Faust and uh, Ethan Hunt. I feel like you're expecting there to be a romantic vibe the whole time, but they're actually just like really capable coworkers. I that might be 
the the thing i mean i picked up on a chemistry and it might be what you're talking about there um and also i might have been reading in my own massive crush because she's also just like incredibly confidently sexy as hell in that movie well i feel like Um, that is the rare movie where you have a lead you know male and a lead female who are both single and they they're in a bunch of intense action scenes together but it's not a romance and they never get together it's like, yeah but i think i think even like with the paula Patton here thing i don't think that they're shying away from letting you go ahead and read that that kind of heat in a couple sequences they don't need to pay it off they don't have time they don't care but they're fine with you like shipping that momentarily um but again i i walked out of rogue nation and i thought you've absolutely sold me like for like a female bond like let's have rebecca ferguson she'd be great um you know, I um, it was a I I really like the Ilsa Faust character. It's too bad. Like I feel like the, it was like they didn't bring Paula Patton back because it was like, oh, we can only have one girl. You know, mm-hmm. like I would have far far more preferred that she came back in uh, Rogue Rogue Nation than uh, oh, so Jeremy since, Renner because Jeremy Renner just does nothing in that movie. You're talking about like how great this team is, and it's like meant to be like this refreshing thing. That even though these movies should be team based, yeah, like and that was the whole thing is like the the show kind of played at the concept that the team should change up from adventure to adventure. But like it became the Ethan Hunt show. And then you only bring back Simon Pegg, Ving Rhames and, and Jeremy Renner. Come on. It's nuts. Uh, I mean, Paula Patton too, especially she's finally freed herself from that nightmare. That was Robin Thicke. Mm-hmm. Like let her, I'd say more for Empire. Go back to Rogue Nation, take out Jeremy Renner, put in Paula Patton. I don't. I think it's only an upgrade. I think we can kickstart that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, what's your number five? Uh, Josh Holloway. Oh, you know, I do not have him on here. What? Poor Hannaway did make Trevor it. Hannaway. Yeah. Holloway is Hannaway. Yeah. Need more of him. Number four, and maybe he should be higher, but I put it number four. Mr. Luther Stickle being Rame's character, if for mm. no other reason than that awesome middle finger he flashed at the end of the movie. Yeah, I mean, for the bulk of us, I just I don't have Luther or Julia or even Tom Wilkinson. Mm. Uh, my number four, I've got Moreau. Um, mm. I think Lisa does great in this, and she is like in this movie the perfect amount. You know, she's effectively used. You know who the, her character is. She's she's a badass. Uh, you know, even the even the toughest characters could not be immune to being kicked out a window. <laughs> R.I.P. All right, number three, Ed Benji. He gets yeah, the same. job done. Same. I mean, Simon Pegg is like kind of the shot in the arm, and I, they're smart putting him in the field. Like, don't have him. Obviously, you couldn't in this movie. You couldn't have him like in a lab or whatever. Um, I mean, he's good in Mission Impossible three, but kind of like Roger Ebert. Like, I remember his the sequence I remember from him from Mission Impossible three is he keeps talking about like what is like the anti god equation with the rabbit's foot or whatever, and it's like, what's that? Like, can we watch a movie about that? Uh, Yeah, he's fun. He's great, and I'm glad that he's like a fixture going forward with these movies. Yeah, yeah, he he definitely works as a good foil for Tom Cruise. Uh, number two, this is a tough one, but I ultimately went with Jane Carter. Number two, um, I think the, the, the third act serves a little bit poorly, but she was a great addition. Like I said, I wish she was in the next one and not Jeremy Renner. 
she's just like a very cool, very capable Lancer character. Yeah, I mean, number two, obviously, is Paula Patton for me as well. She's just a fun, like, secondary main action figure. Um, I guess she is the Lancer just by comparison of how removed from leadership roles Simon Pegg and Jeremy Renner are. Well, Pegg is obviously the smart guy. Yeah, yeah. But she's she's great. I mean, she's just an incredibly likable presence in this movie. And I like that she's got a little bit of the like, oh my God, I'm working with Ethan Hunt at the same time. She's just like, man, you're really fucked up, aren't you? <laughs> While working through her own shit. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously number one, Ethan Hunt, the maniac. I mean, you have to put Ethan Hunt as number one. Just from the, the sheer real estate of this movie he yeah. takes up. No shit. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I keep wondering if they'll ever do the thing where it's like, after the fact, they're like, Ethan, do you realize that you didn't need to go, like, the, I don't know, free-falling into this thing to do whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, it's not fun for me if I don't. <laughs> seriously it's like when you stop to think about who this character is it's like this person should not be in the government he should not be doing any impossible missions he should probably be locked up in a funny farm somewhere yeah well and just the fact that like, he's also reaching a certain age thing and he's the cat he's had a fucking hell of a career like yeah i don't know how it's you go everyone in how everyone in the CIA doesn't know who the fuck this guy is. Like, there should be a statue of him in front of Langley. Because <laughs> um, this is another one of those things where it's like it's become a joke to how many times he has to go fucking rogue. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, like I, I think Bauer, that's, yeah. that's got to be the joke with like Henry Cavill's character in, in the new one, where it's just like if you go rogue, he's going to kill you. <laughs> um, but then I, I love too that this movie, I believe, was shot by Robert Elswit, which is. So interesting for the diversity of this Oscar winning cinematographer that this is the same guy who shot There Will Be Blood. <laughs> it looks amazing. I mean, there's yeah. a ton of great shots in this movie. But I mean, just treat yourself to like stroll down Robert Elswit's like, like filmography, like including like Michael Clayton and just tons of other weird things. One, Boogie Nights. The editor for this is one of the editors of a little movie called Star Wars. Right on. Mm hmm. I think he just died recently too, if I'm not mistaken. Paul Hirsch, Paul Hirsch. 72. Yeah. He also did Empire Strikes Back. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, not a bad run. Yeah. Maybe not dead. Not sure. It doesn't say anything about his death on IMDb. So. He did a De Palma movie called Hi Mom. I remember that. It's weird. Oh, he did a bunch of De Palma movies at the start of his career. Okay, cool. All right. Well, obviously we would both recommend this movie. Fuck yes. Next week we're going to do can't think of the name now fallout mission Impossible fallout. fallout yeah yeah we're skipping over rogue nation um because we are it's worth it's watching time. if if you're trying to get in the mood for fallout go ahead and watch it i mean it, it's i feel like it might be the like on a technical level better movie than mission Impossible ghost protocol but i definitely like this one more yeah that's an interesting to me i can't say that you're wrong but i can't say i necessarily fully agree with you there are some brilliant set pieces in that movie and maybe as a whole it all kind of comes together a little more smartly um it's also a little bit nuts in places like this movie is but like not in the same way with the action stuff um 
what I like about this is all the action kind of makes sense. It's propelled forward by whatever the, the story has taken us to that point. Whereas like, there's no real purpose to the whole thing at the beginning of rogue nation where he's just like hanging onto the side of the airplane as it takes off. It's just like a, a cold open that we barely get anything to. Yeah. It's just a stunt. I like cold opens though. I like cold opens, but like, I like the cold. Like, so it, my example would be if at the beginning of golden it was just bond doing the bungee jump. And that was like, ha ha bonds back. No, I, Let's I, do I the credits. It, I think it has something to do with the rest of the story. I think he gets some information from whatever he was doing there. I don't know. I think it was syndicate related. I'll have to rewatch it and see, yeah. but I don't fully remember that. Anyway. Also, uh, I feel like we should just mention that as far as names go, Ilsa Faust is just like fucking legendary. What a great name. All right. Well, we'll be back next time to talk about Mission Possible Fallout and I don't know, maybe some other stuff. Maybe some other stuff. Maybe indeed. Until then, have a good one. Later. Later.